Now entering Nerdist.com. You made it weird. You made it weird. You made it weird. Oh, yeah. You made it weird. You made it weird. Yes, you did. You made it weird. Oh, yeah. You made it weird with Pete Holmes. What's happening, weirdos? An amazing episode with uh, the lovely and hilarious Hassan Minaj, who's been killing it on The Daily Show for quite some time. But as uh, we discuss in this conversation, we met quite a while ago. Uh, it's weird. You're going to love it. We're going to get into it as quickly as possible. Uh, as always, PeteHolmes.com for anything coming up. Uh, all the T-shirts that we've ever made for this podcast are on that website uh, through Teespring. But they're all at PeteHolmes.com. And we do have a couple lovely sponsors for the episode, uh, one of which you know very well is the wonderful Squarespace. You know this. You need a website. If you need like a landing page, a beautiful gallery, a professional blog, an online store, whatever it is, it's all included with your Squarespace website. Here's the good news. You can start a free trial today at Squarespace.com and enter the offer code WEIRD to get 10% off your first purchase. You probably need a website probably need to do it now, so go to squarespace.com, support this podcast, and enter offer code WEIRD and get 10% off. Squarespace, set your website apart. We also have a lovely sponsor, which is Loot Crate. It's a monthly subscription box service for epic geek and gamer items and pop culture gear. Basically, for less than 20 bucks a month, you get four to eight items that include like licensed gear, apparel, collectibles, unique, one-of-a-kind items, and more. You have until the 19th at 9 p.m. Pacific of each month to subscribe and receive that month's crate. And when the cutoff happens, that's it. It's over. So be sure to head to lootcrate.com slash YMIW, like you made it weird, YMIW, or you would be asking yourself why your W, and enter code YMIW to save three bucks off any new subscription. Loot Crate is like a friend who knows what you love and surprises you with an awesome present every month. So sign up. They also ship to over 27 countries with more info on their site. Loot Crate is more than just a subscription service. It's an entire community of fans that share their experience and interact with each other around the unboxing of each month's crate. Loot Crate guarantees a $40-plus value in every crate. Sometimes it's a lot more. Every month, there's a different theme, and all items are curated around that theme. Themes are inspired by major movie and video game releases, as well as pulling from pop culture franchises we all know and love. So sign up at lootcrate.com slash YMIW and enter offer code YMIW to save three bucks on any new subscription. Give yourself a gift once a month. Loot Crate. Thank you for your sponsorship. Thank you, Squarespace. Guys, enjoy Hassan Minaj. Get into it. He's that good looking man. What's How are you? Nice to see you. Nice to see Welcome. you. This is the guest chair. Oh, this is the guest chair? This is Aristotle. Hey, what's up, man? Don't don't name drop other Aristotles. Are you Greek? Oh, I'm just kidding. Did you bike here? No, man. I'm just like (laughs) backpacking, baby. (laughs) Straight up. I was talking to Duncan Trussell years ago. Actually, Uh you could wear these if you wanted. Sure, Uh, it's up to you. That's a free. That's a free choice. Do people not do it? Some people don't. Man, I'm not going to do it. Well, you should try it. Try it. Sure, really? Try it. No, because then you know you become super self-conscious of... Uh, oh, okay. You know what I mean? Don't do it. Yeah. I like it. You do? Everyone knows. I've heard me say this a million times. Because it's like you're listening to the show. It right. helps me remember that it's a show. So I don't just go like, uh, oh, what else is going on? Like I go like, ah, it's showbiz. No, but you want people to have that. You want people... You know how like sometimes when... Um, 
you'll like you'll be hanging out at a show, and then all of a sudden, like a photographer will come by. Oh yeah, yeah, and then you're just like, oh, I got to make my ph- t- photography face, or or just like live your photography life. You know what's great about this, Pete? You got like been a long-time fan of the podcast. Is that right? Yeah. I didn't know that. But I was... I don't I, mean to be so surprised. I, I know people listen, but yeah. I, I don't know comedians listen. It always makes me happy. No, but Mulaney told you, he was like, on this podcast, he's like, I listened to your podcast. Yeah. Which is kind of crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because if I was best friends, like, one of my comic best friends probably wouldn't listen to my podcast. Right. My really? girlfriend listens to the podcast. Oh, really? Sweet Lady Val. Oh. She listens to it, which I think, which of course is, I love that. I really like, what's that say about me? But I do like yeah. that she cares and listens to the show. Yeah. But it is surprising. Mulaney is an odd one because he knows me and he knows my opinions, yeah. which means that I can occasionally get out of the way enough of the guest that it's <laughs> right, 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 right. a unique, fresh episode. Right. But what I was going to say was, I asked, you're wearing like a, what would you call this? This is a soccer jersey. Oh, it's a soccer jersey. Yeah. How very Asian of you. It is very... <laughs> not, this, is actually, this is actually pretty European. Not, uh, that's, what, yeah, yeah. that's true. You should be wearing, <laughs> yeah, yeah. wearing a Carlsberg, like having a kind of yeah, Carlsberg or whatever. Yeah. Do, you like, do you watch soccer? Um, I, uh, Trevor is a big fan of soccer. A lot of people, Daily Show people. And then I started getting more into... Uh, when I traveled more and I, like, I saw like... The cult- culture was really awesome around yeah. there. Yeah, and I was like, I can get with I this. always get worried about the, the, the hooligans. I'm such oh, a, yeah, yeah. I'm such a coward. Like, yeah. I see, like, one stock footage montage of, like, Irish people being really mad, or, or whoever it was. Maybe it's not Irish. Yeah. Like Irish. But, you know, like, one group being really upset, and they storm the field, and there's, yeah. there's always, like, skinheads. Like, yeah. somehow, like, skinheads yeah. are there. Yeah, and yeah xenophobia yelling, gets really into it. They're yeah. yelling, oi. <laughs> I know it's a different oi, but it feels like the Jewish oi, and I'm just right. like, I don't know how I feel about this. And there's, right. like, looting and, right. and trash cans. Right. I get, I get Uniforms concerned. Uniforms and signs, yeah. Anything that's like people again know this about me. Anything that's very heavy into clan, like we're oh tribalism, you tribalism. Ah, yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I'm gonna steal that and Take sound that. smarter next time I make this point. Yeah. But anything that makes it very binary, it's either we won or we lost. You're either on what's a what's a team? What's a, what's like a British team? Like. Uh, Manchester United. Yeah, Manchester. You Manchester? People get real upset if you're not. Yeah. I get the fun of that, but you know what makes me sad is when I see babies wearing Red Sox hats. Nobody, oh. Nobody's born a Red Sox fan. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just this way that you see something being imposed, but here you are, a man in your free will. But here, here's where I think it's, it's crazy. I think sports and art mm. are the two things where you can actually like attack somebody and – you can get into it, mm-hmm. but y- you can still walk away friends. Yeah. Whereas if I'm like, you're Catholic? Yeah. And it's like, let's not even get you into don't, it. You don't go into it. That's yeah. right. It's right. It's like theater. See, this happens every time we talk about sports. I start with my anti-sports. Right, sort right. of. It's not that I'm anti-sports. I will go to a game. Yeah. I'll go to a soccer game, baseball game, football game. It doesn't matter. I, I've been to all of them, yeah. and I enjoy it. I'm not a monster. Right. I just don't follow it. But then someone like you always comes along and goes like, no, there's a theater to it. Yeah. And what you're saying <laughs> is, because I was just thinking, why don't I like wrestling? And again, it's that same sort of thing. It's villains and heroes, and it's very black and white, and it's yeah. very like, let's solve problems with bashing. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's a lot of like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. bashing, it feels. <laughs> feels like your toddler watches wrestling with you and then you're not are, – aren't you less surprised when he hits someone with a block or something? Right, right. You're like, yeah, that's what I've been showing him as opposed to like Masterpiece Theater where people have like but didn't dialect. We, but didn't you grow up like watching like uh, 
like crazy movies and stuff yeah, like I that. I know. Well, that because I know it's you so have. So funny no, that because you say that. I know yes. you have the whole dad thing, and like I wanted to be different from them. And like yeah. my dad and my brother, they're the sports hey, look, fans. You are a fan. I'm a fan. Respect. Why would I? Respect, <laughs> Why would I just say? That? You've been in LA too long, man. I did maybe consider a little that bit. You were like I'm a fan because it's a kind. Thing Here's to how say. I know you also did. This is this is another Pete Holmes deep cut. Mm. Pete Holmes dropped this gem on the podcast you gotta not give away the fadeaway on the podcast I'm talking about the Michael Jordan fade he goes this is the thing he gave away on the podcast earlier he goes hey when you meet somebody you don't know you give them the hey nice to see you yeah right and then as the, opposed the, on nice the multiple, yeah yeah the multiple different times we've seen each other which I don't by no do means do I say nice to see you yeah yeah but I remember no, you yeah but by no means but am he, I yep I come to the table with no arrogance sure I'm like why should anyone know me for real for real yeah right right uh, but then I was like, oh man, like how many other like guests slash listeners slash fans have you done the nice to see you to? Yeah. And they're so thrilled to meet you. Uh-huh. You, know you can I mean? rob, I've, I've been corrected with a nice to see you. That's not foolproof. Really? You go, nice to see you. Oh. And they're like, we've actually never met. I get that a lot. Oh, really? Yeah, There's yeah, a reversal yeah. to that move. But I get it. I get it. Yeah, it is a reversal. I get even more nice to meet you. We've met. That's more aggressive. But nice to see you. And it's like, oh, we've actually met. And I was like, oh, yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. Nice to see you. Or they go, we haven't met. Right. And I'm like, yeah, I'm just saying it's nice to see you. Oh. For, for the first reversal time. Reversal to the reversal. <laughs> Let's die. But I've thrown out a few nice to see you. <laughs> yeah. You know what, It man? must have been before. Because didn't I host your new My, yeah, 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 man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was and super I'm fun. So, I'm so glad you decided. Like, I remember seeing you backstage and you were like, no, I want to do this. Yeah, I do. I want to do it every year. I would have really? done it again if I was. If what is I it about it, it that you're still like, oh, I got to do this? Because there, is there anything worse than new faces? I say this with complete respect to Montreal, but it's like to Montreal. <laughs> like we have to live in fear. But you know, to the a, institution it, that is Montreal. It's never been that thing. You know how exciting it is to host a showcase for comics that have been doing it for 12 years? <laughs> you guys excited? The not so fresh faces? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every, when I was a new face. You've done Conan four times. You ready to? Exactly. I Come know. On. It's so funny. The average, uh, when I did it, it was 10 years. Kumail was in my group of new That's faces. That's crazy. New faces. I remember your year was like heavy hitters. Like you, Kumail, Dalia. Dalia. It's a 92 Dream Team lineup. Are you kidding me? I like my... Oh, God. It's a great lineup, You've caught me in a gross area because I'm also aware that my variety top 10 comics to watch is a good group. And variety. Isn't that gross? But it's Schumer. It was me. It's not gross at all, man. I don't mean to say, like, me. That's... Also, me. Another great example, me. I just sure. meant like I was honored to be in such a good group. I'm, I'm blanking on who some of the other ones are, but yeah. it, it was a fun thing. Yeah. But you were there. You were doing it. And the reason I wanted to host it, and this is self-serving, but I'm happy to do that. <laughs> Why not build what? myself up? I remember just how tense it was. It's yeah. terrible. Yeah. It's the same thing when I did the talk show. You always would try and prep the audience for a stand-up. And in that same way, it's this big opportunity. Yeah. I mean, was it? Uh, New faces? Or were you no. kind of like, this doesn't really matter? I got to the point where I, I think it was my seventh or eighth time trying. So That's I just, when I got Yeah, so I just so kind of Yeah. I gave up too. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I was you give up. Done. It's like a Zen thing. Yeah. They want you to keep hitting your head on the wall until you give up, but you keep coming. You keep auditioning. Sure. And then you've been defeated, and then you're you're malleable. But I think when you kind of let go of the whole, like... Oh, I read about that it works like this, then this, then this, then this. Yeah. When you let go of sort of like that, this is the way the moves it's supposed to go down. Sure. And like kind of when you let go of that, you actually organically find like what you're supposed to do. 
person. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think I was following you until the last part. Well, like, I was like, maybe I'll never be a New Faces guy. Right. I had this thing with Conan. But isn't I, it fun that there are other ways up yeah, the mountain now? Yeah. I think in the 90s, there weren't. Yeah. Like, I, I have, <laughs> I, I, if anyone's listening to this, like, my Vimeo profile, there's like six Conans. Uh-huh. Like, Hassan Conan 1.mov. Hassan, like, it hasn't happened yet. And man, I remember seeing your first Conan. Wait, you have done Conan I have six not, times? You have, I have not. I've tried. You know, when oh, you these are your sim- oh, it's your Vimeo. Yeah, it's oh, like your oh, private video. Yeah, man. We can't go online and oh, watch these. Uh, it's like next to the auditions, the self tape auditions. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I was gonna call my Vimeo channel Vimeo Link in a Dream because that's all it is—just oh, dreams. It's just all dreams of just like so funny. maybe you know. There so are like, so many Vimeos of oh, me with my webcam, come on. badly doing lines. Hey, this is a uh, Pete. I'm reading for Adam and. Yeah. Untitled da 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 pilot. Yeah, yeah, oh boy. Yeah. Here we go. Here Are we go. you going to be sassy and do like a bit? Like, mm, so let's get to it. <laughs> right. And then cut it out later because yeah. you think better of it. Yeah. So you were saying other ways up the mountain. You haven't done Conan? What no. were you saying? No, but I haven't. And, you know, the you realize that like there's just certain ways. There's certain you – know, each of your friends, uh, their journey is like different. Yeah. Right? But isn't it great – that is great. That I'm, is I'm not even going to ask. I'm going to say it is great. It is great. There used to be, like Seinfeld and all those guys, it was the Tonight Show. I couldn't have survived. Right? I could not have <laughs> you, I wouldn't have made it. What do you mean? I wouldn't have made it. I don't think. I need the freedom to know that there are other ways up the mountain. This podcast was one of the ways up my mountain. Absolutely. And you just did it. You just kind of record it. You get Aristotle. You know two of them. Yeah. I know one of them. Yeah. And you record it, and that helps. And you can make videos and yeah. put them online, and that didn't exist anymore. Yeah. That's why it's always funny to see in Montreal they'll have, like, the internet celebrity showcases sure. because of, like, the Bo Burnham phenomenon. Yeah. Bo, of course, of is now just kind of an everything. He's just like a comedian, but yeah. he certainly started as the guy singing songs. Yeah. And that's, a, that's kind of great to see the mighty industry concede, oh, shit, there yeah. was a back door the whole time. We were, we were guarding with yeah. flaming swords the front door. I remember door. I was listening to a podcast, one of your, like you were on it, yeah. and somebody was saying how like, who are you getting in? You were getting in, into it with somebody, and they were basically commenting. I don't, they're commenting about like, your type or your weight or something, and like you got to get in better shape if you want to double. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, really? Do you remember that? No. Okay, it was a weird thing about like oh, like, and to me, I had a fight with Todd Berry about whether or not your act should work everywhere. We can talk about. Oh, that okay. <laughs> but I was listening, and I was like, "Fuck that!" Like losing weight, you mean? Just or? whatever. Just yeah. like oh, you're not fitting into the square peg, and I'm like, dude, everything that like I like doesn't like Fit. Every, everything. Yeah. Like, the reason why Air Jordans were so amazing is because when they dropped, literally, the Air Jordan Band 1 drops September 2nd. It's coming out again. You're a shoe guy? The black guy? and red. I'm a sh- huge sneaker guy. Huge not a Levy guy. Not a Levy guy. Not at his level. What a, oh, Levy. Dan Levy's Dan Levy. like. Yeah. yeah, that's concerning. Yeah. He's I've at been to his life. house. They're on, like, display. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I have, like, 20 pair. Like, not a ton. Yeah, 25 pair. But, but I'm a fan. I wistfully watch. <laughs> okay, keep going. Yeah. Jordan's But dropped. when... The reason why they were so special is in comparison to Adidas and everybody else that was in the marketplace, it was radically different. Why? Uh, well, the first pair, they were all black and red. So people thought they looked like devil shoes in comparison to oh. the Converse weapon and stuff like that. And so they were banned by the league. Again, it was a – They were banned by the league? Yeah. The first and Nike ran with that. They ran. They were like, "Yes." So Michael Jordan got fined every time he wore that shoe. No. And then Nike this was is the best yeah. publicity you could ask yeah. for. Yeah. And then Nike was like, "Yeah." So the the Air Jordan One first band commercial starts off with Michael Jordan and on da 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 on some of those on 1985. The league banned the shoe. It pans down to the shoe. Boom! They black out the shoe. Air Jordan. 
every kid at home in any town in America was like, I gotta get these fucking shoes. It doesn't show the shoe? It doesn't show the shoe. It doesn't show the shoe? Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't show the shoe. It doesn't show the shoe. That's amazing. Dude. I want this shoe. Right. So everything that you like... It's like when uh, Masters of Sex, that they did that sex study, right? Uh-huh. And this is a real thing. Uh-huh. And it wasn't selling. And then they wrapped it in plain brown paper yeah. and made it like a mystery thing. It's like, do you dare buy this? And, yeah. then it, and then it started selling because it was banned. But I even think about this with like politics, right? It's like every election, there's always – it's not about Democrats and Republicans for me. I think it's establishment and anti-establishment. And mm. anytime there's like this anti-establishment energy that shakes up the status Bernard. quo – Bernard, <laughs> or, or when you're watching a comic, how many comics have we seen come up and we're like, that's the chosen one. Yeah. Everyone else zigs. This, this one zags. Yeah, we don't yeah, see yeah. the strings with him. Right. Yeah, yeah. Like that's why that's what you want. It's like anti-establishment. Like that's why Chappelle's one of my favorites to watch. Cause I don't see the strings with him. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I very rarely see the strings. The best com- compliment I think you can get is this guy's doing something other people aren't doing. Yeah. But the, the second best compliment would be, and it happens organically. Like it's not just some guy, he wears a sombrero and he's naked. You know, yeah. it's not that it's yeah. someone being their authentic self. Yeah. But being, it's like I first, when I first saw your, uh, you hadn't moved to LA at the time. I first saw your first college humor clips. Uh. You were talking about, it was like college humor live. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. you were on stage and, you were Talk doing. about another way up the mountain. Yeah. College humor, very good to me. Yeah. And uh, I was watching it and I was like, oh man, like it felt so like, I'll be honest, they shouldn't even put a microphone in front of you, man. <laughs> UCB for sure. Yeah. Like the way you you're can just performing. just do that in the yeah. round. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I like this very much. You know the podcast. You, you're familiar with deep stand up cuts. Man. Yeah. But, but coming about that, how was it for you? I mean, where are you in your stand up? Are you finding that? Well, I'm starting to do the one man show stuff. So that's what I'm touring uh, right now. Yeah. I saw that yeah. off Broadway. Yeah. What's so, it called? Uh, Homecoming King. Homecoming King. Were yeah. you the Homecoming King? I was not. It was not. That's the reason I had that title. It was I don't the exact opposite. No? Uh, yeah. I mean, the, <laughs> for the, I was doing stand up for a, a, a long time. I've been doing it now 11, 12 years. But uh, it I, for me, like the. I think it reached a point where it just wasn't uh, really like clicking the way it should. Do you know Your how? Stand-up. Yeah. Do you know how some people stand up is their driver? Yeah. Like that. If I think you, about this clubs, all the time. Yeah, that's their thing. Yeah. Like when I watch Funches, I'm like, that's your driver, baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Take that to the green. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right <laughs> now, when. Wait, you made it about money because yeah. it was so beautiful. But I'm also no, 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 driving. Uh, I, I meant oh, double entendre. Come I thought you meant drive a car. No, man. If you put that line in Rap Genius, they'd be like, "Did you know Hassan yeah. Minaj also meant green, as yeah. in in terms of golf? But he also meant green, as in it was an analogy yeah, for yeah." yeah there were some yeah, layers yeah, to that, man. Yeah, yeah, as a fan yeah, of Eminem and words, you should have I loved know. that line. Checking the mail. Yeah. Checking uh, the mail. Yeah. Um, I'll drop some Eminem. Uh, <laughs> I still get. Uh, I, it takes me 50,000 listens sometimes to finally get a joke of his. Like, check in the mail. That's an old ly- lyric. Yeah. And, he, and he's saying, I think he's being somewhat homophobic, so he's saying checking the mail. Yeah. But he's also, like, saying check in the mail. Like, a sleazy thing a, a, an agent or a manager would say, like, the check's in the mail. Right. I know. You get it. Yeah. I'm, I'm letting everyone else. Yeah. Know. So keep going. Um, Some people, that's their driver. Yeah. Not and- their three wood. Hit it. I'm hey. in the analogy now. Uh-oh. But I think about this all the time. Yeah. Some people, Mulaney just did it. I was like, the reason why the podcast, again, I mean, the reason why the suit works with Mulaney is because he wears stand up like a tailored suit. Like it fits him perfectly. Yeah. And then there are some people that do it and you're like, oh, this is one of the things you do. You might be. Super hilarious, but yeah. it's not necessarily your driver. Yeah. 
But like for but when I when I saw you know working at Daily Show and seeing John behind the desk, yeah, he's like I mean it goes without saying, Hall of Fame, like hands down one of the best people behind. But, the uh, but, but for this reason, yeah. if you, you give every person like a Madden quarterback rating, right? Like when you play Madden. <laughs> Yeah. They're like, what's their ability to run outside of the pocket? How, how well do they scramble? What year Madden what, are we playing? Any Madden. Uh, this, is all, this is a universal Madden. Madden. You know what, man? On the Venn diagram of your listeners, I'm just reaching out. I'm pulling yeah, into you're the everybody. Yeah. I mean, you've, you've included me in every one of them. I'm like, yeah. we're not talking about actual football. We're talking about Madden. Madden football, right? Yeah, yeah. So I think, especially with like certain hosts behind the desk, there's ability to be like, okay, can they just look in the camera and yeah. skewer the right? right? Yeah, That's yeah, the big thing yeah, the blogs yeah, talk yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's also like... How empathetic are they? How much? It's how intelligent are they? There's like all these different ratings. Look at John's face and the way that he. I, I don't want to call him. He's not like. There's something ordinary about him. He's a very handsome man. Yeah. If you want to put him on the cover of New York Magazine, yeah. we can doll up John Stewart. But there's also something where you go. I, he, does, he doesn't have fuck you good looks. You know, when he does some guy uh, and you're like, fuck that guy. Right, right, right. This stupid face. Right, right, right. I think that's part of it. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? That, but also his ability to. Some hosts can just get angry, right? Yeah. Like they can just like they just go in and they're just angry. But can they pivot to empathetic, caring, sensitive? Yeah. Look at John Sandy Hook episode. Like that was crazy. Like how he was just like, we're not going to do jokes, and he did the best seven and a half minutes. I'm I'm being objective, like the mm-hmm. best. Mm-hmm. Line everybody up. Watch the YouTube videos. His was the best because of his ability to tap into both extremes. Yeah. Right? Right. Louis Black will hit you a 10 of angry. Yeah. Can he get you a 10 on this? Right, right, right. right. Can he do all these the things p- as a quarterback? Pivot is the right word. Yeah. Wearing the first Jordans, by the way. <laughs> You're pivoting in your devil shoes. Yeah. But the ability to yeah. be a... Th- well, I think that's one of the things that a lot of successful comedians... The have. third prong to it was this. Hit it. Okay. He's legitimately the smartest person in the room. Yeah. No, when Marco Rubio comes on the show, I remember this... I felt scared. You worked on the John Stewart one? Yeah, I yeah, didn't know that. yeah. In what capacity? Were I was you? Course, I was oh, forgive me. I don't want no, to no, 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 no worries. No worries. I thought that was a Trevor uh, new new crop. No, 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 no. I was uh, I was actually one of the last correspondents hired by him. Is that right? Yeah, when Che left. Yeah, then, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> it was great. Yeah, That's awesome. it was one of the best experiences of my life. So please keep going. I, I just thought maybe you were writing or something, and then you no, moved man. up. So that's why. And why would I know? I, I don't see the show that much. But we talk about the climb up the mountain. Yeah. Right. And I'm sure you maybe felt like this in Chicago, right? Do you feel like this in Chicago when, like, all your Chicago friends started popping? Mm-hmm. TJs and movies. He's in Cloverfield. Yeah. yeah, right? Yeah. All these people are – and then you're like, man, Malane, everybody's – Hannibal, everybody's yeah. like, these things are happening. Yeah. Were you like, man, do I got – I mean, I don't know if you – I feel like you always had the confidence. I didn't. Yeah. I was like, man, maybe it's not going to happen. Well, tell me what that was like. You, you didn't have – Grotesque levels of self-love? And, I did not. I did not. <laughs> delusion? Yeah. yeah, I did not. Like enabling levels of delusion? No. You had a lot of doubt. I had a lot of doubt. Well, to me... So it must have been amazing to become a, uh, one of the correspondents. That, the that was like, that was the... Can we talk about How that? did you feel when... Okay, let me put it this way. I'll put yeah. it on you. Mm. You love yourself, right? You're like... <laughs> you're like... <laughs> so dude, we, everybody... We're, what, what, we're yeah. like on episode 684 of the yeah, podcast, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, like, yeah, clearly. Every, everyone knows how this guy Pete loves feels himself. about himself, okay? He's recording all but, his conversations. But though. let's go back to like 08, yeah. 07, uh-huh. Pete Holmes, right? Uh-huh. When you don't get the call from Dave Becky or you whatever. Know what's funny? How did you feel? How, like, how did... Were you yeah. Like, it's not going to happen for me. Did you feel that way? In that way. In the way of like, oh, I'm... Am I ever going to be like... That Hall of Fame goat level, yeah, goat, greatest of all time. Come on, 
I'm learning so much. First Jordans, goat. Uh, a goat wearing two pairs of first Jordans. Sure, sure. Somebody could Photoshop that. Uh, just putting out tasks. That's not fair. That's somebody's 15 minutes. Um, I remember specifically, actually, one of the times it happens to be Daily Show related, they were looking for correspondence, and yeah. I put on a suit and a tie. Yeah. And I, no, worse, I went in, and it was Ann and Joanne at Comedy Central, who uh-huh. were wonderful. And I did the audition live on my feet, and I didn't like it. And I was so panicked that, like, I had blown it that I actually taped another one. Yeah. This is how badly yeah. I was like, I need to find the thing. And yeah. you're right. Um, a lot of my friends were finding their things. Like, I remember I've talked a lot about it. Aziz is somebody that broke very quickly right. uh, from the outsider perspective. I'm sure when it was him, it seemed like it does for all of us. It's in slow motion. But here he is, a young guy, and he was getting all these things. And I remember being like, what is going to be my thing? Yeah. You know, you get on like a VH1 talking head show, but you're like, am I going to do this for 30 years? You can't. Yeah. And then you're wondering what the next thing is. And then something big like The Daily Show would come in, and I'd go in and like shit the audition. Like just – all the self-love and believe in myself aside, really? it made me so anxious that the same day I went over to Oren's house and taped another one because I, I was like, I got I to gotta get the thing. Yeah. Speaking of Aziz, I remember when he was going from Human Giant to the next level, he was kind of like really he, maybe – he, he doesn't – it seems to me like he doesn't like to seem calculated and he didn't say it in a calculated way. But he's like, really, you need to get like the big thing, the network thing, the thing that a lot of people are going to see. Yeah. Whether he said that or not, I seem to remember him saying something like that. Okay. And I remember feeling that too, like a real itch in my drawers. Yeah. Where I was like, something, something's got to Something's got to click. And that's why I started ripping off people like Aziz. He was doing videos and I was like, I'll do videos. Like I was desperate. Oh. Let's not forget – and you're right to point it out just how uncomfortable and desperate it yeah. was for like 10 years. Yeah. It's, it was it's like having – really sad. It, like having fiberglass in your, Dude, in your underwear. I remember the first time – I had so much respect for you as a comic. We did this show like this when you first moved, to, you first moved to L.A. Oh, this is around the time when I was saying nice to see you. Yeah. <laughs> you first come to L.A. And I don't know. Do guests? I feel. I just want to have us to have a conversation. You I don't can know talk if that's to right. Aristotle. You're, like, you're, you're giving Aristotle the most eye contact he's he's ever gotten in his life. I could imagine that. Like you have all these celebrities <laughs> that come in, they don't even like pay. T- that's whack to me. It actually, I think there could be a sociopath test. Is how people treat Aristotle. It's like if you're dating someone and they're rude to the waiter. It's uh-huh. just like goodbye. Oh, that's a yeah. yeah goodbye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like oh goodbye. Yeah, ripcord. You got to get out of there, buddy. <laughs> oh, 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 goodbye. <laughs> Same thing if people come in and and they're. I don't want to go on a tangent here, but I would find that on on doing the TV show, both the shows that I've worked on. If people were nice to you and you saw them being kind of like shitty to other yeah. lesser, quote unquote, lesser people, you were like, oh, no. Yeah, you're the worst. So good for you. Airstyle can be a part of our triangle. Um, you were saying. So you're I talking pers- about the yeah, discomfort I've of – I've removed talent. There's, and by the way, I will go on the record to say this. Los Angeles has the worst comedy shows in the world. Ah. They're awful, man. There's, Which one? There's 15% that are good. There's 20% and yeah, there's maybe. 80% that are just like garbage. We have a lot of bad ones. Just bad ones for people. What do you mean? Like the laundromat shows and stuff? That and then like everybody in the show is comedy or com- a, a, a cousin of comedy. Like, hey, I'm not a comedian, but like uh, yeah. I, I, I do grip for Weird Al Yankovic's podcast. Like, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're comedy cousins. Yeah. The comedy, comedy cousins cousin. show. Yeah. It's a nice term. Like, this is not, no. A lot of people that are looking, it's like. Uh, or you're getting like the factory and, and, and the comedy store where just like, you're just getting straight up tourists off of like Sunset Boulevard sure. and you're getting that crowd, which is like. Right. Oh and then you're, you're getting 
a lot of comedians that can really kill for some of those. Sure, and well. I mean, I would say Meltdown is like a rare gem where it's like, oh wow, this is fantastic. Yeah. I remember Holy Fuck for years; it's like really great. But um, I, I would just say per capita, we have bad ones. Yeah, I'm trying to think of the bad ones. I lucked out because I, I lucked out because I got to. I never thought I'd get to live in New York. Yeah, so I did this. I started in San Francisco, then I moved to LA. Yeah, and I was like, man, it seems I'm, like you should miss out. Yeah, because you stay on the West Coast. Yeah, why, why go? You end up here anyway. Why go to winter? No, man. Don't go. Everybody snow. is everybody who like. That's where I think you really turn that corner in New York. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. Everybody that I like loved. Yeah. that then came to L.A. Everybody, him, Mulaney, uh, uh, everybody, all that stuff. Mulaney's first Conan was there. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. you're just like, oh, fuck. That's a Hannibal's, late night Hannibal's pickle juice. There. Yeah. Every yeah. dope thing. Yeah. Minus, like, three of my friends, like Gerard, like, a couple of my other friends stayed here. Hannibal's kick a pigeon video. Kick a pigeon. Which, by the way, Kumail, and Hannibal knows this, yeah. sent to me and said, oh, my God, Hannibal's funny. Because, oh. Because we always Dude, I Hannibal love the story about, I love the story how you told, you've said this on the podcast, there was a period of time where Hannibal wasn't funny. To I'm Hannibal, like, yeah. How? Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. like, how was Hannibal Burris not wish, funny? He was so young. He started really young, and he used to do a lot, a lot, a lot of shows. And then there was, you know, there weren't, I don't know, there weren't that many times that I remember seeing him. But when we saw him, he was just new. And he didn't really hang out, so it was easy to make him a pariah. Like, we didn't know him, uh, like, from getting beers at the Lions Den. Gotcha. He was like a weird guy named Hannibal <laughs> that you'd occasionally see at some strange show, and he'd come uh-huh. in, and he'd be fine, but you didn't think uh-huh. he was going to be, like, phenomenal. And that is important to remember. Really? Isn't that great? Yeah. Kumail wasn't that great. Kumail That's was always me, too. Kumail was always very good, I guess. I, I, I'm no, trying- I've, heard, I've, heard, I've heard these great, like early Kumail stories where he'd have, he'd just have great premises. He's yeah. like, isn't it crazy that a, like on a cell phone you make a call and it goes up to a satellite and then it, there's like a dude across the street and you're like, Hey man, I can see your hat. Like stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. like, it's, you're like, Oh, it's a great. Yeah. In terms of take, he was that's very, a cool take. He was a lot like Woody Allen and he was very interesting. Woody Allen, slower and more like kind of strange, absurd yeah. stories. A little bit like early Chappelle. I remember being so like amazed. I'm like, this guy just did like four minutes on like, isn't it crazy in horror movies that dot, dot, dot. Yeah. And it's the best take on like. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, then, and then look at uh, when, when what you're doing lines up with the zeitgeist. You can't do oh, any better. Oh, my God. So suddenly so, we all care about horror movies, video games, and nerd culture. Yeah. And there's Kumail yeah. with a, his dick's so, hard already. <laughs> and here comes the world pussy. <laughs> Vagina. Right, 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 right. Uh, but, Yoni. So, so Yoni. We, the world Yoni. So we meet, right? <laughs> you move out. And um, we're doing this like – it's this crap. This is in New York. This is in L.A. You oh. just gone here uh-huh. to L.A. Was this and, Tiger Lily? And no, Michelle Buteau hosted this show at this – Oh, I remember this. Hit it. Hit it. I come out with like my – my, which would then become my wife. Uh, it's my girlfriend at the time. And she, like, you know, I sometimes bring her to shows and stuff. But she's yeah. like a real human being, an amazing human being that doesn't care about like this crazy world that we're in. Um, so she came out. And it's this like crappy outdoor apartment show, and I go up like second or third. Michelle kills it. Yeah. I tank. I fucking tank. <laughs> he goes up, rips it again. There is no microphone. You like push that thing to the side, and you're just like, "This is a campfire. Come, my legions of fans, chest out all this stuff." Then I'm like standing there, like my little like goofy meme. Oh, too. Oh, hey, what's up, Pete? And then he comes up to me and he's like, "You know what, man? You were nervous. You gotta." I didn't say that. 
Dude, oh, I swear God. to come on. More advice no I one asked for. Yeah, no, I, I believe it. It sounds like me. All right. So, so what did I say? So, 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 so he comes up. This is in front of my wife. Oh God. So he's like, he's like, hey man, like he's like, I could tell your arm, you know, during some parts oh, your I arm. I told you about your fear hole. And then he's like, you got to be with your chest out, expose your neck. Your whole like you know oh, primal thing. This is before I had a podcast, so I just had to go around finding just te- single people yeah, yeah, yeah. to preach to. Here's what's here's what's, here's where it's wrong. <laughs> Nowadays, I'd now, like to think I would keep that to myself and say it on the podcast. Okay. Now here's where it gets. Oh man, all, to all my comics listening that are just like super depressed in like shitty little apartments in anywhere America. Were you like fuck this guy? By the way, no. Oh, okay. You want to know why it wasn't fuck this guy? Why? Because it was it was embarrassing. But you were right. Oh, God. This is embarrassing for me now. <laughs> no, but it's like, it's like, oh, man. Like, on several le- layers. One, I suck. Two, I was being nervous. So that only perpetuated the suckiness. And like, see, I should just fucking kill myself. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not go to that level yet. Now, um, and then to make it even sadder, a few years later, I think the podcast starts dropping. Mm. And I remember... Pete said something very specific during one of the podcast episodes. He goes, uh, he talks, you talked about being in New York and seeing certain people that are funny. Yeah. And you were like, I want to be that person's friend. Mulaney. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're like, he's funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember listening to that episode and I was like, I'm not going to make it. (laughs) No, because if, if the industry doesn't recognize you're funny and if other comics don't think you're funny, bro, you're fucked. Let's just let's just look up the objective realities here. You could you could please audiences. <laughs> There's the third group. I yeah, <laughs> but then yeah. most likely. But some I'm not. But I'm not like a Larry the Cable Guy type where I'm just like yeehaw. Yeah. Like I just I'm. Does I'm this also go not, back to how you're not. It's not your driver. Is that is that what this is? Yeah. Well, this is, it was all coming to this thing where like, but for years I was like, I don't think this is working for me. I don't think going up and just doing ten works for me. Yeah. Where people go, wow, that's amazing. Like the showcase, the the slick package, the polish. Shoe. Seven minutes. Seven minutes. Yeah, I understand. Track one, track two, track three, track four, track five. We're out. Yeah, but um, <laughs> stuff started working when I, again, I just started making stuff with friends. But um, I really tapped into what I really loved, and I think that's why the Daily Show worked out. The reason why I started to love stand up, I used to do like speech and debate in high school, and stand up is really funny. Is really funny speech and debate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you really think about it that way, some people don't. But to me, I was like, that's what really clicked I had for a, me. My friend Dan Kaufman, who was a lawyer and, and a comedian, he, he would say, like, you're making these little arguments. So mm-hmm. he was trying to – and Seinfeld talked about how comedy is like algebra proofs. Yeah. You're trying to prove that A is equal to C. Yeah. And then you do all this, like, preposterous legwork. Yeah. And then at the end, you're like, so, C, A equals C. And therefore – So, yeah. Some, yeah. People, some people do look at comedy that way for sure. And yeah. Like, and that's a fun way to frame it. Yeah. And that's, what you, that's how you look at it? Yeah. Yeah. And then I was like, well – I think for stand-up, there's two things, two superpowers that if you have, oh, man, you are, like, off to the races. If you sound funny, mm. sonically. Sonic is, like, really critical. Ron Funches. Sure. Yeah. And, and the myriad of other uh, – uh, when you do – when you imitate people on the podcast, you've done everybody. But all <laughs> you, do, you do Chappelle, when you do everybody. Sure. They're they sound funny. very funny. Chappelle is very funny. Sonically? sonically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Aziz yeah. sonically is so funny. Yeah. Well! <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then you look, you look funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now you're off to the race. Well, that's – it's funny. I've said this a million times, but when I was doing Talking Head uh, Best Kumail Week Ever – sonically funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. 
And then Aziz had one setup on an episode of Best Week Ever I was on and it, because I, th- I seem to remember he didn't really like doing corny jokes and I was doing whatever joke I could. And, sure. and he was – even back then ha- was cool and had taste. And, uh, but they used him for a setup. So he's kind of like, you know, these guys are going over there to get the newspaper. And that's all they used. No joke. And my brother called me that week and was like, I watched the show. He was like, you know who is really funny? That Aziz guy. He's super hilarious. Uh-huh. He didn't tell a joke. Uh-huh. It was just his face, his voice. And he was like, that guy. Yeah. It's, it's like seeing somebody that's hot in a sure. different way. You go, that guy's funny. Yeah, yeah. And you're totally right. So I didn't have that. Like people like, he's got poofy hair. Like he's like this like good <laughs> kind of uh, No, you're good looking. Guy. Yeah, you're a good looking you know what man. Mean? What is he doing? Why is he doing stand up? Why is like the dude who works at Accenture doing stand up? Well, that's funny because we started talking about Jon Stewart looks, I'm going to say it now. He can play frumpy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Even if you're in a in a. But nice... I would say this because I've seen John do stand up and that. Yeah. Stand up is not John's strength. Interesting. Don't put him in a fucking club, dropping drinks. Why? Yeah. He belongs Dude, behind a desk. I want to hear you like really talk. Yeah. Are relationships crazy? No. Right. Explain Syria to me. What is Aleppo, John? That's kind of like how. You know what I mean? Like, and so in in any him doing the factory of the story, it's not gonna. It's, it's a. It would be a disservice yeah. to humanity, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Isn't that funny? When you start realizing that you're dating something and the sex can be great occasionally sure. and you bond occasionally mm-hmm. and you can have nice dinners, but you realize that this might not be your soulmate. So stand-up can get you off some of the time and yeah. you have great memories, but yeah. it's not your wife. Yeah. And it's this weird side piece. Yeah, 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 it's a mistress. <laughs> yeah, your mistress. And so yeah. this is you putting it together. Is this what you're saying well, about stand-up you stand-up? stand-up wasn't loving me. I wish it was my mistress. It was just like – it was just chugging along and I got – like, you know, you, I got a few like – I got to do Chelsea lately. You got a few yeah. little things that just ink, inch you along. Yeah. But none of those things that like really like – I had been doing stand-up five years. Then I got the NBC stand-up for diversity thing. That got me to LA. We met like – and still you're just like plugging away and I'm like, man, I don't know if this is going to really work. I start doing this like web series with a bunch of my friends. Uh, this web thing called The Truth of the Samanaj, which basically is just like me looking at the camera and like breaking down an issue, like any topic, like things that I would already sort of like rant and talk about. And then that sort of like blew up and oh. started to become popular. Oh, um, another but the, way up the mountain, I see. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I don't, it, it didn't, doesn't translate to like more stand up East. It kind of does, but um, that would eventually help me. Do Daily Show like that to yeah. help me put together my tape and all right. that stuff. Yeah. And it was a frustration that stand-up wasn't loving you the way that you loved it. Yeah, you really love it. I really do love the craft of it and the art of it. Sure. Um, and I think that I'm lucky that I got Daily Show and I got to go to New York and I started working – before I got the Daily Show, I started working on a one-man show. And I really got inspired like from you know meeting Berbiglia and Colin and those guys sure. and seeing that there's other ways – to skin the cat and Paul Provenza had a great way of putting it Paul was like with stand up you can play notes A through M let's say you can play notes A through Z with like a one man you can go N through Z you can play A through M and N through Z uh huh oh I see because you can do lighting you can do visuals yeah uh, but you, the big thing is is you 
talking about uh, sports again. Right. So sports is a – we've created a theater where it's okay to fight each other. Right. And it's kind of play. Yeah. It can get intense and stuff. Mm-hmm. Similarly, a one-man show or a play or whatever, you suddenly are allowed to paint with colors that you can't really Correct. do as Correct. a stand-up. Because as a stand-up, if you say something – and this is one of my bomb save lines, by the way. Is uh, uh, Fortunately, I haven't had to use it for a while. That's not that I haven't bombed, but it kind of got phased out. Yeah. And, I have other ways of getting out of tight spots. But I used to go like, it's funny if this were a play and I said that and it wasn't funny, you'd be like, maybe he's trying to be moving. Like maybe maybe this is a metaphor or something. But in stand-up, you know it was a fail. But if you're doing your one, is that your experience? You can do other colors? Correct. And what? And um, I realized like I can play these notes. This is my funny voice. Yeah, Dad. You know what I mean? Like I do. So I did this thing called the mock. Isn't that fun? You've yeah. been playing A through M all this time. Yeah. And your sweet spot. Again, I, by the, the way, the, I would like to say yeah. what I thought I was just going to come and see you. And my perception of you was by now I'm sure you're a phenomenal stand-up. Even though I saw you that time. I don't remember you bombing, by the way. Oh, okay. I also don't remember embarrassingly giving you advice, probably because sure. I was so puffed up from my own sure, stupid yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. But I just assumed, oh, Hassan's on The Daily Show. He must be crushing it at stand-up. He's, he's, he's gone to the other side, and, and you're at that level. But you're saying you found it in this other place. This was pre-Daily Show when we first met. Pre-Day. Yeah, that was at 09, 010, 10, uh-huh. when you had first moved. Yeah. But, um, uh, yeah, like when I started working on um, – I did this thing called like the Moth Radio Hour, and that's where they asked you to just like – the theme was heartbreak. Mm. Just like tell a story of heartbreak. And I think like – even when you start, when you talked about like your divorce, I think like you also went to this like other that was, level. Well, the, on the podcast, I got to start pl- uh, playing with N through Z. Yeah, or wh- which totally. Yeah, and I think that's where it's like, and that's oh. when you start realizing like, oh, this is so much more comfortable for me. Maybe you can relate to this. I'm sorry to interrupt. Yeah, yeah. but like doing the TV show that we're doing, there are all these other notes and other nuances. Yeah. and Judd and I uh, are very much on the same page. We're like. Oh, there's like these moments of drama and stuff. And I love doing those. I yeah. love talking about divorce or heartbreak or, or, or loss of faith or whatever it might yeah. be. And I didn't necessarily feel like I had that, yeah. uh, had that opportunity in stand-up. I remember talking to Judd about this. And I was like, Judd, I've, I've heard you so many times talk about like quitting stand-up. Mm. And it broke my heart because it tapped into my own insecurity. Mm. Because he was like, I was never, he's like, I was never great at it. Well, that's why he stopped doing it initially. Yeah. But he, but when I talked I think, to him, he was like, "I'll never be as good as Sandler." So what's the point? Exactly. Because his friend was he out kept of Sandler. Saying, yeah, he's and he's reiterate. I even yeah. asked him, and he was like, "Yeah, it was." He's like, "When I see Sandler or Jim Carrey, it's like, what's what's, what's the, the point?" But Judd now is doing it. He's, he, so he's great. doing it. Yeah. And his other superpower is all these things that Sandler can't crack. Right. Or, or different skill sets. Different, yeah. His special has yet to crack. N through Z might be these other things. Exactly. So, so Judd found ho- other Freaks homes for his is like, you think like some of these other guys could have done that? Not right. as well as you'd. Right. Like, you know? And so right. um, I do this, this podcast. But then he gets to calm down and come back to stand up. Yeah. From a, I, it doesn't have to be me or Sandler. It, it can be me. And, he, and, he's, and he's great. He's great. Yeah. So you had a similar thing. Thing. That sort of moment was like when... We, I, I think it was like at the Riot Comedy Festival. It was here in L.A. And the Moth came and they wanted to do a thing. Oh, the Heartbreak. Com- comedians, yeah, Heartbreak. The theme was like Heartbreak. And I remember driving down and I was like, oh, talk about your first like real Heartbreak. I was like, I don't want to talk about this. Because mm. it was like really sad. And it was basically the story about how when, um, you know, I grew up in like a very traditional like first generation 
sort of semi-strict religious household, parent child of immigrants, parents didn't let me go out and do a lot of things. Both your parents from India. From India. Yep. Um, and there's this girl, basically, I had you know, been bullied and beat up and stuff like that in, in high school. My senior year, this girl moves from Nebraska to our town. In uh, California? Yeah, I, I grew up in Davis. So Davis is kind of like, you know, ruralish. Is it? Yeah, it's an <laughs> agriculture town. Yeah. Um, and then uh, we were in AP Calc together and like... We had this like AIM love connection. You and this girl. Yeah, I remember when AIM was like the that, that's pre Tinder. That's how you really oh got, AOL instant messenger. Instant messenger. Yeah, Didn't sure. You use that? Yeah, I did. Status updates, yeah, yeah. messages. Weren't the sound every time ring, it came in, ring. it would make a sound. Yeah, because it took like three or four full seconds yeah. for it to like send over the modem. Yeah, <laughs> bring. Yeah. So you're it assumed you were like cooking noodles or something. Yeah, yeah. you couldn't just be staring at the screen. So yeah. it has to alert you. Yeah, yeah. Every I think every great you know every generation is defined by like a great sacrifice or a great challenge. And, yeah. you know, our children will never realize there was a period of time where you had to choose between being on the phone and being yeah. on the internet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll never know. And you had to fire up the internet. Yeah. Like now, if I open my laptop and it's not instantly connected, you had to really, I get pissy. No, you had to kindle that baby. <laughs> back in the day, you had to like gather cardboard <laughs> logs and yeah. go in the back and make a, an AOL fire. <laughs> and sometimes it would be busy. Yeah. Sometimes it would just be busy. It tried to dial into something that someone else And you're was like, what? On. Yeah. Fuck you, AOL. I know. One um, single, like, I remember the first time I saw, like, a woman in her underwear on the internet, and it uh-huh. took, like, 45 minutes, and it was it was the most glorious. I still remember her. And it would load, it would load from top yep, down. Yep, like, yep, yep, yep. Like a scroll unfurling upon you. Exactly. Yeah, and that crazy. was it. And that's why I can still remember that <laughs> image, yeah. but I can't remember the pornography I looked at yesterday. <laughs> that's not true. I didn't, uh, but, you know, because yeah. that's not special. Yeah. Anyway, the weight we yeah. we earned that. Um, so so was so this girl's in my AP Calc class yeah. and like we, we You're like, killing it over. Killing I, am. It, I am. She's like invites me over to her house. This is like one of the first few times I had like been to like a school friend's house. Like we hit it off. Her family's like exactly as you'd imagine. You know, white picket fence, McMansion, Ford yeah. Expedition, Eddie Bauer. Like, yeah. Oh, the Eddie Bauer. Oh, Eddie Bauer version. edition. Yeah. <laughs> You know the picture. I'm painting it, right? I do, yeah, you're so painting I go it. So the, go there. I'm like, you know, hanging out. I go to her house. She's like, hey, we should study at your house more often. I was like, okay, cool. We go to my house. She's one of like the first like school friends and girls that I invited over to my house. Back and forth, back and forth. One night, like, I'm walking her back to her car, and she's getting in the expedition. I'm about to close the door. And then she leans in and just kisses me, and then closes the door and oh. drives off into the night without saying anything, wow. which is crazy. Eddie but, Bauer catalogs flying out of the back. I know. Just, <laughs> but for a lot of people, again, like when I would talk about this stuff, it's like it's not a big deal. Like a lot of like my school friends I grew up with were like, oh, I was getting hand jobs when I was nine. No, Do you know what I mean? I think you know who you're talking yeah. to. Yeah. And one of the best nights of my life, I was a senior in college uh-huh. and went to where the girl that I had a crush on was yeah. working. She was closing, and I hung out with her while she was closing, Steve's ice cream. And then we went out the back, and it was just like, good night. And she kissed me on the cheek. Yeah. And my feet didn't touch the ground on the way home. You it got was that. the biggest deal in it the world. It was the biggest deal in the world. I and was such a – I still am somewhat romantic. But at that point, I, w- I was definitely writing poetry about that. I've <laughs> like <laughs> – Oh, ice cream mistress. <laughs> Your heart's so much warmer than the trees yeah, that you serve. Yeah, it was like – it was like so, yeah. you get the first taste of the Heisenberg I get blue. It. She kissed you on the mouth. Dude, lips, dude. No hot t- no hot t- lips. <sighs> and what did you do? You just 
I dude, I was like, you puckered I got, up in time. I, I didn't. It was hap- I was like, this is happening. Wow. And I, it was unbelievable. Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how old moment. I'm 17, 18. See, same as me. Yeah, yeah. We had the same experience. Yeah. And then she drives off in drives our expedition. Up, she knew the rules. No fun, no friends, no girlfriends. She knew the rules for me growing up. Those, those are, are your rules. Those, those are like my dad's rules on me. Your dad's rules were no fun. No friends, no girlfriends. You can have fun in med school. I, that was like, it was like a classic. That's what he said. Yeah. I mean, ish. How Indian is your dad? Super. <laughs> I'm his only son. <laughs> He was, a, you know, out of he has like five, four brothers. Uh, no fun. Yeah, he was the only brother that made it here. I'm people don't understand this. Like, I'm surprised. Like, when you were like a child of immigrants, it's like you are the prodigal son. You are. Oh Simba. my god! Yeah, you are Simba to our my Mufasa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to carry the torch on. You're he the prodigal son, but there's only one. There's son. only one. <laughs> in that story, there's two. Yeah, but in yours, there's, there's only, only one. Only one. And you're not going off and partying. Yeah, that's how we no can't fun, blow no this. Friends. Yeah. yeah. But how, what do you mean? So to get to America, your dad had to. I don't think a lot of people know this. You have to. And I'm just saying, I don't know. Yeah, you have to have a sponsor. Someone has to sponsor you. You have to either through like education, like so for like a grad school program, and then they agree to do it. You have to pass an exam. Like it's tough, and they vet you as much as like Trump says. Like we don't have a process. There's a fucking process. Yeah. Every immigrant will tell you is like, no, it is hard. Right. Yep. So if you somehow can make it through. Man, you're incredible. So your dad was the only of four brothers that got it. I got it. So I totally get it now. And he has a ton of friends in his town, Uligar, that tried. Yeah. Dude, it's like, I don't know how to put this. So he got this thing that isn't just a thing for him. It's a thing for his family. And you're his only son. It's beyond that. It's Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Golden Ticket. My life is going to change. And everybody's life after me is going to change. Yeah. You're the start. Yeah. You're like the founder of a new religion, the American yeah. menage. It's the difference between being rich and wealthy. This yeah. was like, I'm wealthy. Yeah. You can get rich anywhere in the world. With this, you can have wealth. You can have like yeah. safety, wealth, all these amazing things. Crazy. It's wild. It is wild. Cut to Trump. Cut to Trump. <laughs> <laughs> this story no. sounds so heartwarming. <laughs> it's all burning. Your golden ticket's on fire. <laughs> <laughs> Put it out. So your dad so, yeah. is understandably Super. Super. a little hard on you. Yeah, and very it's, hard. On it's me. why later we had like a lot of buddings of head, budding of heads with. I like buddings of head. Yeah, of with budding of heads. Buddings of head, Budding buddings of head. Sure, yeah, buddings of head. <laughs> sounds like a sounds like a rock group. Or it something. would be a great. I would go. I'd buy tickets to <laughs> buddings, you of see buddings of head. We're buddings of head. Yeah. Oh my god, great! Um, so you would butt heads because you comedy. That was a you huge became thing. super American. Yeah, I, I I don't mean that as an insult. No, 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 I just no. mean like clearly you're in touch with yeah. your heritage and sure. doing the show and all that. Yeah. But you did the most American thing. You could either become a serial killer, a jazz musician, or a stand-up comedian if you want to pick a truly American endeavor. <laughs> yeah, 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 and, yeah. And you picked yeah. wisely. Yeah. And so he, <laughs> I remember just having this really honest conversation with him. And I was like, I actually don't – you know how like when sometimes you'll – we live in a world where everything's like someone's right or wrong. But I actually think life is like a lot of nuance. We had this conversation. This is what wrestling doesn't understand. Yeah. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. But he was like, he's like, I totally, like, you're my son. I want you to be happy. I just don't get the stand-up thing. And I was like, I know. Is it because I perform for drunk people and that that thing? And he's like, no. He's like, you have so much potential. Yeah. Like, you're smart. You're intelligent. You got great grades. Like, you can really be something in your life. And it's so weird. It was so complicated. He means something like a, a doctor, lawyer. And businessman. He, he's told me stuff before like he's like I believe like you could have been a great politician, you could have been anything. Yeah. 
Like he's like you have all those capabilities and skill sets. You still could. Ah, <laughs> I'm with your dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can turn yeah. it around. But with you, my friend, uh, his name is Love L U V H. He was telling me in India the idea of your life as a as a work of art is like so foreign. The idea meaning there's a, a, a much bigger picture, right. the family, the community, yeah. your part in the whole system, yeah. as opposed to one of the reasons we have a Trump is because we are, uh, me, myself, and I, I'm a winner, I'm going to get everything I Correct. can, I'm going to get a mansion, I'm going to get a white picket fence, I'm going to get the Eddie Bauer expedition, yeah. and fuck everybody else. Yeah. Correct me I if I'm wrong. Voice, right? Was that your Indian experience? It's like you're supposed to be doing this yeah. for the family because you did inherit a burden of opportunity. You didn't ask for it. Sure. It's one of my favorite Joe DeRosa bits. He's like, uh-huh. Jesus died for your sins. And he goes, I didn't ask him to. <laughs> you didn't ask for Jesus to die for your sins, but he did. And here you are in America. Yeah. And there was this feeling of I lucked out where my dad wasn't like, you need to do this for your cousins. His thing is, is if you got this opportunity to go to the craps table of America, you're going to roll and bet on comedian? Mm. Come on, man. Mm-hmm. And he would give me great examples. Like all the other hack Indian dads would be like, doctor, lawyer, engineer. He's like, what are you talking about? Elon Musk, Steve Jobs. Like mm. really do- – innovation is like – respected, lauded, and praised in this country. Mm. My God, no matter how xenophobic or racist this country is, if you are a brown person with a great idea, they will fucking run to it. Sure. So he's like, you're a smart guy. Like, you're so much better than seven minutes of jokes. You're so much better than that. And, to, and there was a moment there <laughs> where I was like, better. I was like, you're kind of right. Interesting. And I remember, and like, I had this conversation, this argument with him in the dent, my dented Camry right down here outside of an open mic. And I'm like, you're so Your right. Your gap edition. Yeah. Your dented Camry gap yeah, edition. It's yeah. an Eddie Bauer comment. <laughs> okay. Go on. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, you follow me. I'm following. I'm following. <laughs> yeah, I, follow I would have gone with Old Navy. You got to yeah. go. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm going to let you go to Tag City. So I run in and I go into this shitty coffee shop over here, which off the comedy I would look at the open mic list and I'm like, I'm like, yeah, like, dude, I'm like 26, 20. What am I doing? Mm. I had a great LSAT school. Like I have so much to offer the world and it's, it's, it's not being maximized here. I'm getting some stuff, but it's, I want to hit my ceiling. Yeah. Right. And you want to Hassan Minaj the hell out of Hassan Minaj. Yeah. What a great setup they've given you. Yeah. And you're eating a sandwich. Yeah. And, and there's like, like a roast beast in yeah, the middle. Yeah, and he's like, what are you doing? Yeah. Um, and so anyways, to go back to the, the – high, that's why he was like so strict with me in high school. And that's why this girl, Bethany, like was like such a game changer. Kisses me, blah, blah, blah. My AP Calc class, we we're in AP Calc together. And we were a very like tight-knit group of overachievers. And our Calc teacher like wanted us – was very much like a – like a cool Paul Rudd type. He was like, I want you guys to live a well-rounded life outside of Paul school. Rudd's listening like, hey, hey, I'm cool. You don't have to he say is. a cool Paul Rudd. No, but like that's the, du- <laughs> you know. Yeah, no, I he, get it. He, he plays cool. Like yep. Paul Rudd is like awesome college professor, right? Sure. So he's like, I want you guys to, you know, live a life we're talking about. I'm making prom mandatory for everyone in this class. I'm like in the back of the class. I'm dying. It's like, a- it's Calc BC. It's like, the, I'm like I'm not going. The Jehovah's Witness girl's not going. The Korean exchange students. This is not happening. Not there's yeah. no way. In all thirty of us. He, he makes it mandatory. So weeks go by. Kids start getting dates to the prom. Right. I'm obviously like giving you the speed version of the this story. This is post kiss. This is post kiss. Yeah. Three days before prom, he pulls this whiteboard down with everybody's name on it. The last two names on the board: Hassan Minaj, Bethany Reed. Class goes nuts. I look at Bethany. Bethany looks at me. 
she knows like she knows my situation she's she was the, in bc calc yeah but she's one of the first white people that i honestly knew that like got it clicked with it and there was no judgment that's the di- uh, that's a difference maker because everybody else i went to school with was a bunch of like ryan lochte's you know what i mean just like you know the cody Corey, and coles you know ryan lochte the swimmer the douchebag swimmer who uh, lied about he was in during the rio olympics you know ryan lochte, the right? one where they were like this is the this is white privilege this is the guy who lied yeah, about I don't, being I don't, robbed I don't, yeah, yeah, yeah 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 i saw so, his face on on Facebook. yeah so i went with school with like a lot of those guys that are yeah. just like what like no dude you're a poo like that's offensive. No, what do you mean uh, it's offensive? You know what I yeah, mean, I right? I Just like no, no, no. There's like there's white people and there's everybody else. Like what the fuck are you talking sure. about? You know what I mean? Yeah. Douchebags. So do the voice, guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Or like where you go, hey, I'm Has- I'm Hassan. Oh, what's up, Saddam? Those guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At the t- at the benches, Barf. and everybody laughs. Barf City. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. I've been to Barf City. You've been to Barf City. Yeah. <laughs> um. So she got it. And that was like you're on the shit. whiteboard, and he's like, he you left India only to go into an arranged situation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I was like, I look at her, I'm like, don't say anything. I feel like that joke. Was she worth reads more. it. Yeah, but I'm, we gotta go. Pretty good. It was pretty good. Keep yeah, going. yeah, keep yeah, going, yeah. Keep going. Keep going. Okay. Keep going. So she's like, <laughs> she's like. <laughs> so he he sets you two up. No, but the bell rings, and I'm like, don't say anything. She doesn't say anything, even though everybody in the class is looking at us. Bell rings. I'm walking over to my locker. She follows me to my locker and she's like, hey, listen, you know, like ever since my family moved from Nebraska, you've been my best friend here. Well, and this year wouldn't be the same without you. And like, I really think like you're really special. And I really care about you. So will you go to prom with me? She asked you. She asked me. Old Sadie Crazy. Hawkins. Yeah. Right. Then I was like, yes, my white princess or whatever. Right? <laughs> was that her name? Sadie? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's good, so I love but it. I was like, all right, well, my, my dad's not going to let me go. So I'll sneak out. So because it's like we're like now. 48 hours away I sneak out I live on the second story of my house I sneak out this is like a brown John Hughes movie uh, I'm climbing down the window like out scaling down the side of my roof I climb down I hop on like my white yellow huffy it's on the, I tucked it on the side like in the bushes I bike down I bike to her house how did he get out of the window I opened the window and I but there was like a roof there yeah you didn't tie bed sheets no no no, no I didn't. <laughs> it's like the window and then the roof like was like this at a 45 degree okay window. like Stranger but, Things yeah you lived in the Stranger Things house yeah but okay. I was scaling it and um, I'm biking over to her place sun is setting it's beautiful I get to her doorstep ding dong Mrs. Reed opens the door and behind Mrs. Reed I see this dude Jeff Burke like putting a corsage on Bethany's wrist well, no. and I'm like what and Mrs. Reed looks at me and she's like, oh, my God, honey, like, sweetie, like, we think you're great. Were you in a suit? we love you. I was in a suit, like, my JCPenney suit, the okay. whole thing. Just want to picture this devastating moment. Correctly. Yeah, and she was like, we think you're great. And I'm, oh, did Bethany not tell you? You know, we love that you come over here and study, but, you know, we have a lot of family back in Nebraska. And we're going to be taking a lot of photos tonight. So we don't think it'd be a good fit. No. This Dude, happened? Dude, Yeah. This is like the first person I fell in love with, first kiss, all that stuff. It's like, do you need a ride home? Mr. Reed can give you a ride home. I was like, no, I got my bike. And I just biked home. And I just snuck back up through the window. And I played Mario Kart the rest of the night. And it's weird. Like, So I tell this story on the moth. That's like, I didn't want to say it. Yeah. They're like, describe your first love experience. Yeah, yeah, and you know yeah. what I mean? Like, And it's like eight comics. And every comic is like, so like, so I'm in blah, blah, blah. Like, everybody's got this like crazy right. whatever story. Right, right, right. And I have this just like tragic immigrant brown kid really horrible just like fucking awful yeah and then did you even get how awful it was when it happened no i actually felt like they were right that's what's really sad 
that's the truly sad part. Like you, you were like, who I am- got it. Yeah, I was like, makes sense. Fucking a, that's terrible. Right? Like, who am I to ruin? Oh, you're right. Oh, of course. How? Why would I? Hassan Minaj? Yeah, you're right. No, no, you're right. Wow. I'm sorry. Because they weren't like a bunch of toothless yokels yelling, like, sand nigger from the back of a truck. I've had right. that happen to me before. You let it roll down your back. I had eaten off of their plates. I had, like, kissed their daughter. Yeah. Her dad had written me a letter of wreck. Like, so to me, I was like, oh, you guys are, no, I get it. Oh, wow. Yeah, you're fa- the family. You're right. Nebraska. Got it. Got it. Totally. No offense to Nebraska. My bad. I'm sorry. Like, for real. I felt, like, embarrassed for being there. And um, I kind of, isn't that... I guess around that age, we don't have that self-love and stuff. But you also don't understand the nuance of how people can be bigoted even as they're smiling through their teeth at you. Or explaining, like, why they're bigoted. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like the Daily Show thing you did with the Trump people. Yeah. And everyone's so kind to you. Yeah. And then they're like, and you go to the guy, why are you voting for him? And then he's like, I think he's a great guy. (laughs) I think he's an amazing human being. I love him. Yeah. he drops that there's a billion Muslims. Like, why do you know that there's one point, I believe it's four billion Muslims? Yeah, yeah, Why do you know that and you're still, it doesn't make any sense. It's not adding up. Why, I think that's an interesting exercise in empathy that, that, because Trump supporters and, and racists and yeah. other just free racists, loose racists, uh, it's hard to have empathy for these people. Um, Correct. But you can have empathy yes. for them if you sit down and go, like, where is this coming from? Like, exactly. why Why are you this way? Because and they're people, too. It's really 100%. easy to treat them like pro wrestling and be like, oh, it's it's the Trump supporter caricature. Yeah. But unfortunately, they, they might have some fucking weird damage that led to this kind of perverted worldview. Yeah. Or ignorance or lack of, uh, lack that. of exposure. True right. That. And so to me, I was like – so I do that story, right? And somebody from like The Moth, Catherine Burns, who's the creative director at The Moth – who had like worked with Berbiglia years ago on Sleepwalk mm-hmm. was like, you should, whatever happened to her and whatever happened like with you and like what ended up, whatever. And, um, she's like, you should talk about like all these, that, that's like a show. Yeah. And I was like, but well, it's not very funny. Uh, and she's like, but no, like, it's like, there are parts that are like, goes, funny and, and, Z. <laughs> yeah. and moon walks yeah. Out, right? yeah. But I start working on it. And so it took me a couple years. I can, this is homecoming King. Yeah. So it started then. And so it's, that's, that happened in 2013. I start working on it, chipping away, chipping away, chipping away. And then in 2014, I got The Daily Show and I moved to New York. And I was like, now I can put it up off Broadway. Wow. And then we did it off Broadway, did a few runs of it, and now we're, we're touring it. But to me, like the thing that I thought. Who's, who's playing you on the road? Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a road crew. Asamanaj. Yeah, yeah. So you did, you followed up and you looked into who she is now. and We had. So the, the show follows that whole trajectory of like. Yeah. What happened with me? What happened with her? But to me, like, I re- what I found to be really interesting about it is that so often when we talk about like race or any of these like really heavy topics, it's usually when like we've crossed the line. It's too far. Trayvon Martin has been killed, and it's so black and white. Pun intended. Of like, okay, Trayvon didn't deserve to die, but the other 364 days when the collateral damage isn't death, why are we always so quick to be like, does it have to be about? race does it have to be about gender shut the fuck up like that's the general consensus you mean it shut up becomes the conversation past the past the point like people something don't want to hear it yeah. people are like i don't want to hear it yeah shut up then a cop gets killed or philando castle gets murdered on facebook live in real time like a fucking snuff movie yeah. and we're all literally witnesses 
to a man's murder in real time. Then we go, okay, it wasn't wrong. Then we go back to the following, the next Tuesday, and we're like, will you shut up about racism? Mm -hmm. Shut the fuck up. Mm -hmm. I don't want to hear it. Really? So to me, the point of the show was is like, hey, yeah, boo-hoo, I couldn't go to dance with a white girl. Aw, no. The, the thing to me, whether it's like Ahmed the Clock Kid or Trayvon Martin, there's shades of this like nonsense that we do to each other because we're just like the too Clock afraid. Kid, the one that made the clock and, and got yeah. arrested. Yeah, I just want to make sure. We and know. now he moved back. He moved. To, he moved out of America. I wish I could talk to that kid. And be like, don't leave, man. He mm. left. Mm. He's like, fuck, I'm out. Mm. And I totally get his pain. Fifteen, skinny, brown like me, glasses, not cool. Texas. In the wake of San Bernardino, Paris, all that stuff, terrorist, sand nigger, camel jockey, dune coon. Yeah, I'm out, dude. Mm-hmm. It's not going to get better. I wish I could tell him, dude, you got to stick. You have a chance here to do so. But he left. I understand. Now, to me, I was like, this is really interesting. Let's talk about, like, why in 2016 could 2016 Hassan Minaj go to, go to prom with Bethany Reed? Man, my money, it's a 50-50. Depending on where in the country you are, depending on how conservative Be- the Bethany's family is. You mean another 18-year-old has Right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dude, I, I... You're not I, going to the prom as a 30-year-old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be creepy. <laughs> Who's on Daily Show. Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure you could take her to the prom yeah. now. Yeah. Except you're married. Right. But It'd be kind of weird. Do it just for the revenge. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> the weird revenge sex. Be this, like, weird bearded guy <laughs> at the pub. <laughs> but you're saying things haven't gotten better, that it's still 50-50, you're saying? I'm saying... Look at where the country is at, and I think some of the biggest topics in the zeitgeist is like, uh, what are they? Uh, Immigration, radical Islam, right? All this stuff and all these decisions is basically – I'll be 100 percent honest with you. It's racism and xenophobia shrouded in the guise of safety. Mm -hmm. Hey, man, I just want to keep my kids safe. Mm Mm-hmm. So when Mrs. Reed and Mr. Reed are like, hey, we don't want her to whatever, they're basically saying, look, we don't – we just – there's a lot of public perception around this. We don't want to take our chances. We're trying to keep our self-interest safe. Mm -hmm. We're not bad people, but hey, we're just trying to hedge our bets. To go back to your theme of tribalism, Mm -hmm. hey, man, i got to look out for my own. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So you're wearing a Cubs hat. Yeah. To a White Sox fan, yeah. but you're you're wearing it. It's yeah. like your skin color. Yeah. <laughs> like, but that which is totally fucked yeah. up. That's completely yeah. gross. Now, what's wild to me is like, I've always thought about this. I don't know. I saw this New York Times article and it made me like really sad. Where you talk about tribalism. So this Times article came out like a few days ago. It said sixty-seven percent of white people don't want to will not post about race on social media. Mm-hmm. I've talked about that, and it makes me really sad. That we won't? <laughs> Will not. I, I'm representing white people. That we won't? Won't post about. Yeah. So, like, you know how, like, the Black Lives Matter movement was very much a groundswell anti-establishment movement of, like, hey, Campaign Zero, we need these certain policy points. We need body cameras. We need this. We need this. We need this to prevent this from happening, right? And a lot – when I read that New York Times article, I was like, oh, yeah, that's why – this still feels like a divided issue because there's a chunk of people that I think you could call them quote unquote woke, like 33% of white people that are like, yo, this is a fucking problem. This is not a black or white problem. This is like an American problem. This isn't, this isn't Aleppo. This isn't fucking Syria. Why are we like literally murdering people Mm -hmm. in the streets like this? Mm -hmm. Then there's 67% of people 
to me, and I would love your perspective on this because maybe you know you know this from the community of that's like, man, this makes me uncomfortable. I don't want to talk about it. But I want to approach that, and the whole goal from the one man show or like anything that I do on Daily Show, or whatever, is like, even when I was at the RNC, is like, I want to approach it with empathy, to be like, don't you get it? Like, you could actually make this a systemic change. You're the, you're still the majority of the country. There's a hundred and there's two hundred million of you, no more. The country's what three hundred fifty million. Mm-hmm. So let's say a hundred million are minorities. Let's say even yeah, hundred fifty. You know, I, I th- do you get what I'm saying? I do. Yeah. And I've been the, the white person that watches – I love slam poetry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and a lot of it is racial. It, it's, it, I don't know yeah. if it started as a black art or if, if or a lot of black people are excellent at it. Uh-huh. But I have been the person that watches something that makes me cry and then I don't share it because it's about a black person talking about the black experience. That's why though. Because uh, you're – I'm not proud of this, no, by the no, way. No, no, no. You're afraid that people are going to be like, the fuck do you know about it? You know what I mean? It's like claiming some – oh, here I am in my whiteness in my – with my Eddie Bauer expedition. But you couldn't be like, this is beautiful, share link. You sure could. Peer, this is beautiful. Peer. I don't know. No. Is it? I don't, I don't is know. It, and you know, I'm being honest. I don't know. Maybe I have shared some slam poetry in the past, but I also know <laughs> I haven't at yeah. the same time. You know what's interesting to me is – some of my white friends have married uh, black women or, or, or some of my white girlfriends have married black men. Yeah. And then there's this weird – talk about tribalism. Then those white people in this weird way are expected and encouraged to be more involved in black issues. Right. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Like what's going on in our – I always say lizard brains. I just mean in our base caveman idiot kind of animal brain right, that right. goes, no, but his wife's black so he can, he can talk about black right. lives matter because he – what has to care about it more because he's married to right me. but we do we see it as like a yeah now he's not not in another c- category but yeah. it's okay for him to care right. about it but here's where let's talk about this layer of the cake. or he should care and we'll about go to this more. next layer of the cake so in this layer of the cake you have a you have a white guy who marries a black woman right yeah. mm-hmm. or vice versa uh black woman uh you know whatever you flip it yeah the reality is this from a just a basic tribal level you guys are going to have kids those kids, because of the one drop rule, are going to be black. So your ch- son or daughter has this shared experience of blackness, whether you want them to or not. He's going down the Obama route. He mm-hmm. is biracial, mm-hmm. right? But he's identified as black. He's black, yeah. So you have What's to care. What's the one drop rule? The one drop rule was ba- back in the day. If you had one drop of slave blood in you, you were considered black. I didn't know Yeah. That. I, I could have put that – I did put yeah. that together, but I didn't so, know that was a thing. And, and, and that – idea is still prevalent to this day right so that's on a basic whatever tribal level what makes me sad though is that us us comics like we're the artists we are supposed to be the epitome of the heightened notion of civilization the cool thing about comedy which i so love is it unites people like we wouldn't me you funches kumail delia like there's no way all of us would be friends in real life right Comedy brings us together. Right. It's like we're on a sitcom. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and undateable, I have so, I have so many, too. I have so many diverse friends. <laughs> yeah. Because of comedy. Because of comedy. Yeah. And from like backgrounds. Because I'm not a professional lacrosse player. Yeah. Would I be friends? <laughs> yeah. Would I have I be, to imagine that's yeah. a lot of white dudes. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Would I be like, like the fact that you, Duncan Trussell, you guys grew up in such different experiences, but like comedy brings you together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, the calling, the calling that we like, uh, we give the most equity and value to transcends race or tribalism and yet it's it that's 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 human civilization when it's at its highest that's when i'm proud to be a human being and then when we like 
kill people and say build a wall. I'm like, this is the worst. I understand. The worst part of our soul. So then when I see every artist should could ostensibly be woke because the thing that we care about has nothing to do with like race, xenophobia, or bigotry. And yet still on this level, I'll see shit on Facebook from people being like, I don't know what the big deal is. Shut the fuck up about all the social justice nonsense. Just be funny. Blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, for real? You're supposed to be like, Where's you're, the, you're enlightened, You're, you're like your dad. Do better. Yeah. You're doing that with your opportunity? That's what you're doing? You're in the America of jobs, and yeah. that's what you're doing with it? I'm, again, I'm, I don't I'm know. pretty pleased with this comparison. Yeah. No. I'm, I'm very so, happy I'm, with I need, my... I need, no? to gi- I need to give it up more. No, you I'm don't. Not a, no, no, no. I'm not a, I'm not a big... <laughs> I'm not a big laugher. It sucks. One of my friends, like, you, you're like you a good laugher. You give it up. I try. Yeah. <laughs> it is an effort. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, that's very interesting. Let's yeah. not lose this thread because yeah. of my dumb joke. Um, uh, you, we're, we were also talking about the interesting thing. Unity, walls. You talk about the walls. Mexico, obviously, that, that's the wall you're talking about. But there's something even going on when you consider building a fence around your house or tinting the windows of your car. Right. This goes back to that idea that it's like, me and I have to protect me and my own and everybody else is the enemy. Yeah. And I think we see more and more of that. Yes. Racism is just the stupidest, laziest way to Lazy, do yeah. that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You'd agree? I would agree. <laughs> I'm sorry I'm not being that like funny right now. I know I know usually and, can be Z, I, know, I know usually can be a howl fest. I know you made it weird. Uh, it gets, we haven't been funny in it a gets while. Lo- really? No. Uh, We're just under comedy for fun. Uh, because then people who are looking to laugh get uh-huh. stuck get stuck here. <laughs> you know when you N through Z'd it, by the way? When's that? When you started... Uh, uh, this was an N through Z moment with uh, Pete Holmes. Uh, when you started doing the God stuff. Yeah, that was, that was a big thing for me, too. Yeah. That, and I loved and when you, people would follow me. I then. loved how you doubled down. Here's why. Everybody, <laughs> I like this very much. Everybody in comedy is like spirituality and God is whack. Do you do yoga? Yeah, but God is whack. Fuck. So <laughs> fucking dumb. So fucking dumb. People, I don't believe in God. All right, you're going to go pay 1200 bucks to have a white man give you a mantra from the fucking geek. Got it. Okay. Yeah. And spirituality is dumb. Eat a fuck. Oh, yeah. my God. <laughs> well, yeah. Do you get what I'm saying? I That's do. the stuff where I'm like, how? This is so funny. This is like, this is so ridiculous. Right. You're doing sun salutations. Like There is no such thing as Jesus Christ. Really? You're literally doing sun salutations, <laughs> which is a Hindu ritual to pay, pay, pray to God. Got it. But you're more enlightened. Got it. You're smart, bro. A, Fucking it's idiot. A good, it's a good stretch. Yeah. Go to India. Nobody's doing yoga. Is that true? No. People do it, but it's not like it's a thing. Right. Where CEOs are like, sorry, I got to do yoga. Right. No. Right, right, right. No. And CEOs are taking ayahuasca and taking microdoses of LSD yeah, yeah. and doing yoga mm-hmm. and doing TM. There's a lot of secular spirituality in America. What's your thought on what's, what's your take on that? On what? Secular spirituality. Oh, I think I'm glad you asked. Yeah. The Zen movement in Japan happened right after the peak of civilization. So things were like there was more junk than ever, there was more entertainment than ever. Civilization was at a boom, and then it snapped back. It was like, let's trim a bonsai tree and let's look at a rock garden because there's this ache that people have yeah. for quiet and for space and to realize that reverence and stillness is very, very important. And I think we're kind of – I'd like to think we would have already snapped back there. Yeah. You see it a little bit when people are like trying to get off their phones or whenever I see someone being like, I'm off Facebook. I'm like, good. This, you're, you're addressing this ache that we have. But in the meantime, we have these little 
ways to dabble. Because as you know, the Western model is we do something to get something. So we get people to meditate because it helps you sleep or have you, you do yoga yeah. because I remember seeing a, a documentary about yoga and they were like, it's like Vi- Viagra. It's like, like great for your dick. And I was like, that's such a Western thing. Yeah. Whereas I believe all these things are, are to do things just for the sake of, of doing them. Yeah. But anyway, I, I think it's, it's a, we have no ritual, we have no community, and people are hurting. And that's when they start taking microdoses of LSD or they start uh-huh. doing yoga. Uh-huh. They might not know that it's what I would call God that they're hurting for or union that they're hurting, yeah. uh, longing for yeah. or some sort of awareness. Was it hard for you to deal with? I feel like a lot of times in comedy, we're all a bunch of anarchists. We're a bunch of jokers running around. Yeah. And so for you to be a guy. Look at you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So for you life. to be a guy that was a guy, that was a Jesus God guy, mm-hmm. would did you feel like, man, I don't fit in? As a Jesus God guy? Yeah. No, I, I, I didn't. I had that when I was fundamental. Like when I was a literal Bible-believing person, mm-hmm. I would quietly feel left out. Like I remember I opened for Rick Overton and we were eating uh, dinner in Zaney's Vernon Hills and he bought us salads. I remember at, at that meal he goes, Atkins? He pointed at me and said Atkins. Mm-hmm. And I was so on Hollywood. I didn't even know what the fuck he was talking about. Now, of course, I'm the kind of person that if I saw you uh-huh. eating a certain way, I'd go paleo. Yeah, yeah. But that was so new to me. Yeah. He thought I was on the Atkins diet because I said no croutons or something. Yeah. And then at one point, he was just like shitting on the Bible. And he was like, it's just words, just a bunch of fucking words from people. Yeah. And in that moment, the jacuzzi jets of embarrassment would go on inside. Oh. And I'd feel very dark and quiet and like embarrassed. Yeah. But I never really engaged. I always just kind of kept it to myself. Did it chip away slowly? The you loss mean, of faith? I think... Or did, it, or did it mutate into a new thing? What do you mean? What I mean by that is that I still feel like, from what I know of you, of your work, I still think you're a spiritually connected dude. Yeah. Um, I'd like to think so. But when did you lose – did you – do you remember the tipping point of where you're like – It was my divorce for sure. Really? Yeah, for sure. But as Jesus said, yeah, if he who wants to gain his life must lose it. This is the whole thing. Losing your faith to me is an essential step to having a real faith. It's, it's the whole thing. You got to lose it to get it. Yeah. You can't be – nobody right away you have to be somebody then you can be nobody so you have to be like a christian and i'm a christian and i'm doing my thing then you get devastated that's all part of it yeah. richard Rohr just said and something i heard he was like these holes in our soul is how god gets through right it, like your your misfortune is your glory all the bad things that happen to you are the things you should be they're treasures to you yeah. and that's how i really look at it now yeah so it wasn't but comedians i never really felt like i remember being with all these guys that we're talking about, they're all a lot of them are atheists. Mo- most comedians are atheists. Yeah, yeah. But then, like, so what? What? Um, they don't feel petrified when they're like, "I'm going to die," and, and it's going to be just lights out. Um, some of them find a, a, a beauty in that, and I those have actually been some of my favorite guests. We were talking about if you can truly own the idea, even if you do believe in uh, reincarnation, which I'm not pointing to you because you're Indian. I know that's a Hindu thing, and mm. you're a Muslim. Right? I'm Muslim, yeah. Mm-hmm. But even if you believe that you've been reincarnated thousands of times, yeah. you don't remember. So what's the difference? You know what I mean? Like it is just lights out. Yeah. So living with that immediacy can actually bring some vitality and, and beauty to the world. And yeah. some of my atheist friends can really tap into that. Yeah. Be like, if everything means nothing, then uh, nothing is everything. Yeah. Like this is every, everything is very And then every precious. moment is beautiful. That's right. I remember TJ, said, burning. TJ said something awesome. He was like – like, uh, 
he was like, uh, it makes everything just like one. It, just because I, you know I'm not going to go anywhere after I die doesn't mean doesn't make like a rock in the ocean any less yeah magical I or see crazy. A lot of overlap like, with a, a good. I don't mean to put a judgment on it, but like a good thoughtful atheist and a nihilist like TJ is. There's a lot of overlap between him and what I would call a Buddhist, who of course don't believe in God as much as they they don't believe in God. They believe in a void. They believe in a nothing. Oh, so when people say. I don't believe in God. I go, oh, no God is your God. That, that is your belief system. And that's beautiful. Interesting. But I spent a lot of my life wanting to quietly convert those people. Be like, it would mean a lot to me if you would claim Christ as your Savior. Did you ever say those sentences, those words? I never was good at converting people, even though I go up to people like you and give unsolicited stand-up advice. Uh-huh. Because I knew in my bones somewhere, unintellectually, un- I knew that I didn't believe what I was saying. So I was worried for my oh. friends and their souls. I remember listening to Lake of Fire, the Nirvana Unplugged song, yeah. and Kurt Cobain was dead. And it giving me the willies that my ideology had me believing that he was in a lake of fire burning. So here's Kurt Cobain singing about hell. Yeah. And I'm like, and that's where he is. But I never fully, in your gut, in your heart, yeah. I didn't believe it. So yeah. a couple times in my life, I remember being like, I want to tell you about Jesus. But I was never very good at it. Really? Because what's a 15-year-old kid? What, what the fuck am I talking about? Yeah. You have to lose your life to get it. So at that point, I'd get to lose it. I only became interesting spiritually if I ever did after I lost my faith and then started putting it back together. I'd agree with that. Right? Because at that point, you were just running off of what you were pre-programmed with. That's right. Yeah. It's, the heroes, it's, it's like The Hobbit or Lord uh-huh. of the Rings. You haven't left the Shire. Did it ever, but did it ever get you – uh, I could never square the circle in the sense that I just always felt I'm a spiritual person. What I, I've never liked is still it goes back to this tribalism mm-hmm, version, mm-hmm. especially in like the Abrahamic faiths of Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. To me, it's like PS1, PS2, PS3, mm-hmm. right? Like especially with Islam, it's like backwards compatible. It's like, oh, we acknowledge the Christ Bible the prophet, and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Right. But what I don't like is this idea of like, but still, you got to go with PS3. Yeah. And then other people are like, no, but still, you got to go with PlayStation 2. No, PlayStation 1 is the way to go. Then there's like Hinduism, Buddhism, whatever, and they're like, why, why, what's wrong with Xbox? What's wrong with Atari? Mm-hmm. What's wrong with blah, 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 right? A, a friend of mine uh, back in Chicago, Dave Odd, had a funny bit about how uh, it was like the Star Wars trilogies, like Judaism was a new hope, and then yeah, yeah, yeah. like Empire was Christianity. Hari Kondabolu has the Back to the Future joke. Oh, is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, there is only one Back to the Future. That's like one of the funny tags. From and then he goes, and Mormonism is the weird straight to VHS Ewok movies. <laughs> a really great line like that. Right, right. But you know, I, again, I was just, I'm reading this book by Richard Rohr, which I highly recommend, called Every Everything Belongs. Yeah. And it's just kind of like what I'm talking about. It is, whereas I used to like want to eradicate through love and peace and all the Christian niceness I could muster atheists. Or I'm sure at some point in my life I would have met a Muslim and been like, all right, let's bring you from three to two because you need to be in the <laughs> yeah. two soup. Yeah. And he said this thing. He was like, we took this thing, this experience and this energy yeah. that can be merged with and can flow with. And I'm just talking yeah. about awareness. Like yeah. the, the, the Hebrew God, I am, just beingness yeah. and being in the flow of that or not being in the flow of yeah. that. And we turned it into being right. And isn't that what human beings do? Talk about tribalism again. Yeah. We take these things and we go, we, every church thinks they have the one truth and they think everybody else is wrong. Right. But nobody steps out, nobody zooms out to go, well, if we think we're the only ones right and they think they're the only ones that are right, like, we all need, we need to talk about this. Like, this can't be 
what the world is. Yeah. Or you're in a cult and you, and you kill yourself wearing Nikes because you are the only ones. You know what I mean? Like yeah. It's, it, it gets very toxic. But, but that's what human beings do. That's why I think spirituality is a heart place, not a head place. I spent so much of my life Agreed. trying to rationalize going, Agreed. but did Jesus really do this? And now I go, it's a story and stories have a way of – Have you had Reza Aslan on this podcast? Who? Reza Aslan. No. He wrote Zealot, the New York Times bestselling book. you got to have him. Yeah, I'd love he to have him. He has this book called No God But God, but it's so dope because he, he's reiterating the exact point you, you're making. He's like, does it even matter? It doesn't matter. Question mark. And it does – it like – I if I may I made this point recently I did, I do these shows with uh, Rob Bell who's a spiritual teacher and I made the point I was like I was listening to this Ray Charles song yeah. and, and he says I'm gonna love you baby come rain or come shine and whenever we hear that we go no one hearing that thinks Ray Charles means I'll love you when it's raining and when it's dry out we know he means in good times and in bad yeah. because we know how to listen to music yeah yeah and then there. Are, we're so far removed from people who knew how to read the Bible. Yeah. But we're going around going like, he said it, I believe it, that does it. It's like literally X, Y, and Z. That's and right. I'm like, come on. We westernized it. Yeah. And then we took something that belongs in the both and transrational place. Right. And we put it up in our heads. Right. And of course, the next most western thing to do is to go, we have it, we're in, you're out. We got it. You're bad. We're good. You're evil. We're heaven. You're hell. Yeah. When it was never about that. Yeah. Shit like this doesn't survive if it's just that stupid binary. If there's no mystery, if there's no pulse to okay. it. So we're on the same page, right? But why are like 98% of comics like burn it all down? Burn them. I think that's our job. When I was watching the Tony Robbins documentary, did you watch that? Yeah. Oh, so, my God. How did you feel about that? I really like Tony Robbins. I would never go to one of his events uh-huh. because it reminds me of evangelical they should, Christianity. They, they should have called that, that documentary, It's Your Dad's Fault. <laughs> Neil Brennan, I saw him at a party last night. He was like, he does bully crowd work. And for people like us that do crowd work, you can kind of see the way that people in front of large groups of people will agree. It's a little bit like a a cold reading or something. I'm not saying he's not right some of the time, but it's show business. Make no mistake. It's show business. I'm sure he knows that. But the main thing that I took away from that is thank God I'm a comedian because at the back of an evangelical revival at the and the back of a Tony Robbins seminar, yeah. there have to be people leaning in the back and Tony's up there. God love him. I, I'm really a, a huge fan of his. Yeah. And you're a Midwestern woman named Deb and you want to start a cookie business where everything's peanut butter and then you add to that. <laughs> and he's like, you got to do that. Make a list of why your cookies are the best fucking cookies in the world. And zoom back and pan back to the comedians and we're at a table going... Deb, your cookies probably fucking suck ass. <laughs> so essential. You need both. Some of these people, that they get their lives saved. They have their visions restored and everything turns around for them because they needed someone to cradle them and love them. Sure. Because they weren't given that fundamental arith- uh, arithmetic when they were children or yeah. in their adolescence. But society also needs – and in that moment, I would revert instantly back to my comedian side. Yeah. Going back to Eminem, we need different sides to our persona. Yeah. Like Jung says, we need to be okay with our shadows. We need to be okay with our egos. You know what I mean? Yeah. Everybody's different people. So I'll, I'll snap back into comedian and be like, this is some fucking bullshit. Right. Because that's our job. Yeah. And a lot of the, our people, comedians, take that and really run with it because it's so fucking fun to burn everything down. Right. But to quote Rob Bell... Any old donkey can tear down a barn, but it takes a special donkey to build one. Right. And that's where I'm at. I'm like, it's fun to kick 
donkey kick a, uh, the barn of religion down. Yeah. But to me, 37 years old and having studied this for who knows how many years, I'm like, it's far more interesting to hear somebody and go like, what are you getting out of this? What moves you? We all know what it feels like when you've just made love or heard an amazing song or heard an amazing speech or heard an amazing slam poet. Yeah. And you transcend and you're in the now and you're seeing beauty and you're seeing pain and you're accepting it all. Because that's what the heart does. It opens up and it lets everything in. Right. The brain can only handle so much suffering. The brain can only handle so much beauty. So right. we shut it down. Yeah. We make the world look flat and boring and we ignore Black Lives Matter. We ignore Syria. We ignore whatever the issues yeah, are yeah, yeah. because the head can't handle it. But sometimes in those moments, the heart would only can expand yeah. and, and does something that your brain can't do and w- widens the fuck but out I, but I, and I, eats it all. But I believe that's when like humanity is at its best. Like, that's like... But that's oh, what I'm talking about. This is when we truly are the chosen people, right? That's what. I, but that, I would say the body of Christ. Sure. Every religion has a word for this. Sure. The Jews is uh, Shekinah, uh-huh. the idea of being with God, being right. in that thoughtless place yeah, yeah. where for one fucking second you can stop thinking about what I need, what I deserve, what's fair, who's, who's fat, who's skinny, who's tall, who's thin, who do I want to fuck, who do I want to fuck right. me, what am I going to eat? And in one second, we've all done that, standing in the ocean, at a wedding, whatever it might be, suddenly you're outside of it. And that's maybe my life's passion is trying to spend more time dipped in. In that, those moments, out. yeah. And you know it. Sure. The wall and winners and losers and Trump, I'll make it political, that's not the body of Christ. That's yeah. not yeah. the chosen people. Man, that's, I agree. Uh, my my yeah, uncle dropped go. this gem on me, which was one of the – it Drop was it. crazy. He's in India. He calls me. I, I try to call my family as much as possible. He said uh, – Are they in India? Yeah, he's in India. Your dad? No, my uncle. My Your uncle. uncle. Yeah. But he's just t- talking to me about life. He's worried about me. He's seeing stuff on the news and he's like, how are things, you know, blah, blah, blah. Are you getting heat from the media? Some of the story. I saw what you did at the Republican National Convention. Don't get hurt. All that stuff. He cares. Yeah. Calls me and he's just like, he says this thing to me and he was like, um, he's like, deep down in all of us, I'll be honest with you, no matter what country you're in, there's this ugly little whisper that like exists in our souls that just wants us to be with our own kind. Mm-hmm. Whether it's like a socioeconomic thing, uh, where you grew up thing, a color thing, a language thing. Mm-hmm. And he's just like Trump has tapped into that whisper and legitimized it. So whether he loses or not is irrelevant. He's opened up the Kraken to be like, no, this is a legitimate feeling that you he should have. He hasn't released it yet. But yeah. He opened it up. Yeah. <laughs> it's you our know, job to release it. Yeah. Let's not release it. Let's not do that. But I, 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 I believe that's so true that it's it, when those ugly whispers are there and we like legitimize them, I am really embarrassed to be like a human being. Well, can't you admit, if I can admit, that I don't share a moving slam poem yeah. about the black experience? Sure. And maybe I did, maybe I didn't. I'm feeling a little bit like a coward, and I'm not sure if I did or didn't. Okay. But I know I haven't at some points because okay. I'm like, I'm white. I can't do this. If you went to school and it was all white people and you saw another brown guy, wouldn't you want to go and eat lunch with him potentially or at least say hello to him? I would do that out of a marginalization thing. I'm worried for you. Are you okay? For real. <laughs> Are no, you I believe you. I Are you alone? Believe Are you. people making fun of your name? What's your name? I can pronounce your name. It'll be okay. Come here. Do this. Because I, I know it might be tough for you. Yeah. And then if he's fine, if he's safe, cool. 
Like, do you know Moving what I mean? Moving on. Yeah. Interesting. Like, like, uh, like I look at Kumail like a brother. Like, I, I mean, we're like, we're not, we're, we're friendly. We're cool. But like, I look out, like I want him to succeed. I want his movie to do well. It's going to do great. It's so good. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I want him to win. Oh, so you, I, I thought you were going to say, I also look at Kyle Kinane as my brother. You're saying because Kumail's from, from a marginalization issue, right? I, I hear that. I feel like Kyle will be okay. But even if I have, if Ky, but if I, if I knew Kyle was hurting, yeah. Kyle sometimes is hurting. Then I'm like, Kyle, man, are you all right, man? It's the Eddie Murphy bit where whenever his mom would see a, a white homeless person, she'd go, no need for no that. Need for that. Yeah, yeah. Was it no, is it no need for that or no excuse for that? I think it's no need for, <laughs> no need for that. So terrible. Uh, but yeah, so... So yeah, that's my thing, man. It's crazy. Well, what, I, I get that. Do you, what about? And okay, I wasn't trying to trap you. No, no, no. Let's let's move. But the, when I was in high school, if I saw someone praying over their lunch, I would go and talk to them because I'd go, "Oh, there's another one." So I'm trying, oh. to, trying to talk to the whisper thing because okay because there is. I remember on NPR they talked about Indian all Indian retirement communities. Have you heard about this? No, no. Because at the beginning of life and at the end of life are the times when we want to be surrounded by people that look. And behave like we do. Okay. So when you get older, yeah. I'm not saying this for you, but statistically, I suppose, there's sure. a chance that 85-year-old Hassan Minaj is going to be like, fuck it. Get me some brown people that like their uh, the spinach stuff very spicy. Yeah. I love the spinach stuff. <laughs> I don't know what it's called. <laughs> okay, okay. I'm just looking to you. Fill yeah. it in. Uh, so they also talk about how after tragedies, uh-huh. those feelings go up. So 9-11 – Oh, weren't we yeah. all American? Yeah. Uh, the Boston Marathon bombing. Weren't we? I'm from Boston. And suddenly I was so fucking from Boston. You know what I mean? Yeah. So these things, like, whenever we're reminded of our death, for better or worse, this right. is just science. Right. Science, baby. Yeah, yeah. Some people feel a very strong pull towards, quote unquote, their own kind. Right. I find that very interesting. But that emotion can be stirred for good of or course. for evil. Well, the right means used by the wrong people end up to with the right means being used for the wrong reasons. Sure. sure. Uh, and that's that's what it is. These these can be good things but they can be horribly misused. Right. Right? Yeah. So let me take it beyond the slam poetry thing. Yeah. Cuz I was like, yeah, the world could use a retweet of slam poetry, but let's say uh Nehisi Coates writes this great article on the Atlantic called The Case of Reparations. Nehisi Coates, amazing author. Uh, um, Between the World and Me, phenomenal author, right? He's also writing uh, New Black Panther. He wrote this article called The Case for Reparations. What? That's, to me, that's, that deserves more retweets from that 67% that I'm referring to uh-huh. than the slam poetry. Interesting. Look, man, I mean, you know, Russell Simmons probably appreciates that retweet. But, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Now, is that so heavy that, just be real, is it, is it like, Dude, this is just so heavy, and is it so it ugly? It feels like to a wolf at. tweeting a sheep post. It's interesting. In some sort of big, I'm not saying that's right. Neil, by Neil the Brennan way. has this theory that it's so ugly. It's so ugly to look at, like the the weight of the the blood that this country was built on, like yeah. eviscerating and annihilating the native population, then enslaving black people for 300, 200 plus years to build, literally build the infrastructure of this country. Then kind of what we're doing to Mexican Americans now, of like, yeah, just pick our strawberries and just like feed us, and then. We won't look at you. It's too ugly to look at. Yep. And it's too ugly to acknowledge. But this is so Game of Thrones on Sunday is a lot better. And oh man, that soundtrack for um for Stranger Things though, dude, the synths. Like that's way easier. Oh, that vulture article about the synths and it's way easier to get into that. Of course. Than to be like this ugly We're constantly distracting ourselves from the pain of reality. Constantly. 
I would I would add the fact that we love animals, but we're eating them constantly. Right, is another type of right. I, I know human beings are certainly more valuable. This is a cultural belief. I happen to think life is good in all its forms. Sure, yeah. But I think there's a lot of pain that we're ignoring, and it's it's not a cow, it's beef, and it's not beef, it's a quarter pounder. And mm. shut the fuck up. So there's a right. lot, of, and these yeah. clothes were made by children. Yeah, and, I, and my phone was made by slaves. That's in, true. In China. Yeah, it's like where do you draw the line? No, I, I get how it. many things can you let in? The yeah. brain can only handle so much. Yeah. That's why the work is to open your heart. That's where spiritual practice comes mm-hmm. in, where you can be joyful even while you're with someone who's dying unjustly because the heart can handle it, but the head, it's going to break if you try and absorb everything. And that's why I would rather talk about the synths in Stranger uh, Things. Because you have an empathy ceiling in your head. You have a beauty ceiling. You have an empathy ceiling. You can only handle so much. That's why we're living in this reality. This is the one we've constructed. Okay. You can't handle it. So if I wanted people in America to care about that boy in Aleppo, you know, the one with the dust on his face. Yeah. And the, so Sarah Silverman has this joke. If we replaced that, that, that boy with a puppy, like he was, she was like, we'd, we'd figure it out. We would, we would fix it. Yeah. Um, it's, like a, it's like a classic Sarah Silverman joke. How do you, like I believe, I'm like, how can I have, tap in and let this be a floor? in your empathy apartment complex. Yeah. You still have room for it. So Stranger Things can still be there. And Luke Cage on Netflix coming out next week can still be there. And The Get Down can be there. But this can also be there. You know what I mean? Is it through the heart? Ram Dass talks about hospice workers, right? People that work with dying people, obviously. And he talks about, there's a term called professionally warm, Uh which is these are people that work with people who are on the way out. And if they let all of these people into their consciousness, into their hearts, right. they'd be devastated. So they learn how to be oh. professionally warm. So they're kind, but they keep their guard up. So they don't allow – you're on that bed. Yeah. You're the 75th person on that bed in two months, let's say. Like people oh. are dying. Yeah, like yeah, crazy. Yeah. So I can love you, but right. I do it with a professional warmth to protect myself. So – Meditation, contemplation, all these studies, all, the, the point of all this is to get to a point where you can let that boy into your consciousness and be heartbroken but not devastated to the point where you can't function. So even those guys have to do a nice to see you a little <laughs> bit. What do you mean? To go oh, those guys. callback. I let, Aristotle, yeah. you saw the callback, see? baby. Now you know how it feels to have a callback not work as well as you <laughs> want it to. It's happened to me. <laughs> I don't know the answer, but I think that's but, the point. The point isn't to get to some place where... I go to heaven when I die. The point is to get to a place where you can eat everything, where you can eat heartbreak. Can and I eat some qu- you? you may, of course. Please. You can know deep in your mind that there's bad things and good things happening. He goes, every, every 45 seconds a child dies of malnutrition, but can you accept that and the joy of every two seconds a child is born? Yeah. Can you, can you accept both of those things, the yin and the yang, the dying child and the first breath? that a child's taking, that's God consciousness. That's seeing that everything belongs. And I'm not there yet, but we do tend to get very caught in the drama of things and going what's right and what's wrong. Can you pivot between the two pretty well? Or I'm working on it. Yeah. I'm definitely working on it. Mm-hmm. I mean, no would be my answer today. Right. That's why I scroll past. I get upset sometimes when I see something really heavy on Facebook because I'm grotesque just like everybody. <laughs> I wish I could go... Oh my God! That what that must be. I have a hard enough time caring about Valerie's um, workday. Uh, you know what I mean? Like I'm I'm using my caring 
mm-hmm. on the people that are in my house. Right, right, right. And then you want me to care about a child who's in another place who we figured out all these ways to go. That's other. Mm-hmm. That's not us. That's other. Mm-hmm. We know drones are dropping bombs, but that's other. That's somewhere right. else. I've always been interested. I don't know what the secret that's is. That's why the interracial marriage where the kids are black, as you were saying, mm-hmm. is a beautiful thing. It's, it's a so merging of, of a white man who inherited the luxury of not having to burden his already overburdened – I'm not saying it's an excuse or a good excuse – his already overburdened brain with his own quote-unquote pains is actually saying, yeah, I'll take, I'll take more. I'm going to love – another thing like myself and that yeah. and that's a glorious thing and here here are our children who are a part of this legacy yeah, they have now. this shared experience and struggle and yeah, i yeah. care about them yeah as much as i care more than i care about myself i agree i double down on this agreement because you have to double um it's one thing to be like hey i'm a supporter of that like hey i'm i'm not a racist but what about with your daughter? Would you let your daughter marry a black man? Or yeah. Let, like, right? Not in my backyard. Yeah. We call that, yeah, the, yeah. that rationalization. And if we always have the, well, not in my backyard, hey, I support them, but not in my backyard. That's right. There will always be a tribalism divide. Always. Yeah. Even if you don't want to admit it or not. And I hope, man, and when, you know, when I have kids, I hope that I'd, I'd never have that. Yeah. You know what I mean? That I actually like the proof is in the pudding and I'm like, yeah. I know. It's so funny. I hope you wouldn't mind me saying, but Rob's children go to very, very diverse schools. Very diverse. They're like uh, L.A. schools. Uh-huh. So there's a lot of black and Latino, and there's mm-hmm. very few white people. Right. And I was like, that's it, man. That's why I know Rob is the real deal. I, I hate to out him mm-hmm. in this way. Mm-hmm. But I'm just like, I could see my parents absolutely not wanting to send me to a school that wasn't mm-hmm. mostly white. Because mm-hmm. that's how you would know it was good for me. Mm-hmm. But and, the, and it's under the guise of safety, again. Exactly. Hey, we're just looking out for you, Pete. We it, want what's best for you. It's under the guise of that's a good school or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's, it's fucking crazy, mm-hmm. man. But I'm more interested. The real I'm thing. Sorry, I'm sorry, no, no, no. I was doing that. That was there you before you, you started eating the cookie. cookie. Oh, it is vegan. From Veggie Veg- Veg- Girl. So if you're a vegan, please. You're man. a good man. I'm not a pig, man. <laughs> Well, you see, if we made pigs into puppies, we'd right. stop eating pork real quick. These are delicious, by the way. Oh, They're my God. so good, aren't they? Holy shit. You're not compromising anything. I mean, you're eating a lot of refined sugar, though. Sure. You know, oh, is that refri- refined sugar that I'm eating, even though it's a vegan cookie? Oh, for sure. God damn it, really? I mean, it's brown sugar that's... And the, actually, sugar is the second and fourth ingredient. Who cares? So it's bad. It's bad for me. So no, no, no. Okay. It's fine. Moderation. Okay. You fucking fit, good-looking man. I will I'll punch you in the neck. Um, it's amazing. Going back to spirituality, and, and this is usually how we end, as you know. Mm-hmm. We've been talking about it for a while now. I'm more interested in that idea that we're all just – we're not our cars. Your spirit is inside a car. You're in a brown car. Correct. And I'm in a white car. Right. And I understand if we're going to live in the world that there are different realities. You're talking about getting bullied and your heartbreaking story about prom – yeah. I completely get it. I can try, by the way, as I was listening, I could try to relate. I was the fat kid in my school. Yeah. And it's not the same, but yeah. I had some of that, like, of course, you wouldn't want to go out with me because I'm the fat kid. Like, whatever. We, we've all tapped into that doorstep. Moment. We can feel, I can feel one, one millionth of what you felt. You know, that's how I can empathize. Sure. But, so I understand that, that we're living in the real world. Mm-hmm. But if you and I took enough acid, we would b- both be like, what the fuck are we talking about? There's only one of us. Yeah. It's, it's awareness. And you got in that one. 
And I can look in your eyes. This is straight Ram Dass, But I can look in your eyes and go, you're in there? Far out. How would you get in that? Mm-hmm. And how did I get in this? But we know that we're not the vehicles. We're the, we're the, we're the thing inside the vehicle. Right. And we're not our thoughts. We're the thing observing the thoughts and right. all that stuff. Where are you with all this? Are you a- to me? To me, all I do is this, man. I treat spirituality like biryani. You know, like biryani is like our gumbo. So biryani is like rice, chicken, all these things. And sometimes, like depending on whose mom prepares it, there's like weird shit. Like sometimes almonds. Sometimes these like weird black balls. You get black balled, like the little black ball that's supposed <laughs> to help with the savory flavor. My brown listeners will know what I'm talking about. Yeah. You got to push the the. To me, it's like biryani. Then in your plate. You push what's good to you towards you, and then you push the weird shit to the side. Yeah. That's what I do. So I try to absorb as much of all the spirituality as I can to be like, I see the validity in all these things. But then I try to pivot between that and then the the pragmatism. I am in this world in 2016 in the United States of America, and this is what's happening in the world. 7.6 billion people. How do I take this, pivot it, and actually put it into the system? Pivot. Practically. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And actually apply it. So I don't like when people are like, I'm a good person. We all are. I think deep down we all are. I'm like, how are you actually tangibly providing that? And I think that, you know, I try to – I use like my relationship with my wife or like whatever relationship you're in as a practical example. Your girlfriend or boyfriend, wife or boy – like whatever, they're just like, how do you treat me? I don't care what you think about yourself. Mm-hmm. Like you didn't fold the laundry. You didn't do this or you didn't come – on time you didn't call so funny you know what i mean so to me i'm like i get it like it's another i I hear like all this like ramdas says this blah 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 i'm like yeah now let's take that and be like yeah also the criminal justice system is like literally imprisoning black men but this is this is where how do we apply that to change that it's so funny that you said that i loved everything you said yeah the way that i love valerie is I would say my primary practice for loving God or the universe. Yeah. Because there's, there's another Hindu thing. It's like everything you do is for God. If you watch like a monk doing the dishes, they do it like they're doing it for God. Right. That sort of thing. Uh-huh. And uh, that, that's, that's what you're saying. Like how do I practically be a kind, good person, not just the theory? Is that Correct. what you mean? Correct. How do I put it into practice right. to spread said love? Right. And um, – But this is another great thing like – Richard Rohr, man, listen to his episode on the Robcast. It was amazing. He was talking about the selfless service of people out there trying to cure cancer. And he was like, look, I'd love it as a priest if this guy was like, and I do this for the glory of Christ. But he doesn't have to say it to be doing it. That's what they're talking about. It's the tearing down of walls. It's loving each other. It's supporting each other. It's realizing and waking up that we're all one body. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's not separate. It's not... You can't go to the prom with my daughter. It's it's not my daughter can't go to the school because there's too many black and Latino people. It's realizing it's all one thing and getting outside of all this conditioning and learned behavior of going like, no, it's it's us and them and it's tribalism for the millionth time. Sure. Right? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'll be honest with you. I'm still not sold because it's like there's a necessary battle to break that. Let's give it let's, – let's do this in a real practical example, right? You're talking about the school example. During the 80s and 90s, there was this thing called redlining. Redlining literally meant on a practical level, real estate agents and banks were given maps of neighborhoods in the Chicago area. Hey, people of color, when they ask for a bank loan or a house here, do not give it to them. It will lower the property value. They live here. So you sell houses to them here. You sell houses to white people here. This really happened. Yeah. In our lifetime, people that are like, shut the fuck up about race. This happened when Home Alone 1 and 2 came out. 
All right, 80s and 90s in real time when you and I were alive. Yeah. And the reason why you don't have black or brown friends is because from a systemic level, it was prevented. Now, I got a Ramdas, the government agencies and Lion Real Estate and all these companies that are doing this to make that unconstitutional and illegal. That way, Rob's children can go to school with black and brown kids. They can go to prom. Fuck, have biracial Zayn Malik babies and change the game. That's how you Ram Dass in the real world. Yeah. To me. Yeah, that's great. I could be wrong. I don't... What, I don't what part of that do you uh, think I would disagree uh, with? But I you know was, what I mean? Like, I was waiting for you to be like, and that's why you're full of shit. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. That's what I really feel like. So like, I try to think about that. Uh, I'm trying, you know, trying the best I can, and yeah, it does fucking suck, though. It does, right? Mm-hmm. I'm a I'm a product of that environment, of that conditioning. I I'm from fucking Boston. Yeah, you drive with I, not necessarily family members, but people older than me. See a black kid in Somerville, and they'll just say something like, "You'd never see that when I was a kid." Wow. Or. Cab drivers in New York, if it's a white cab driver, <laughs> yeah. he'll tell you yeah, yeah, yeah. you'd never see people like that past this street back yeah. when the mob was in control, the uh-huh. good old days. Right. So I understand. Yeah. It fucking blows. You know what bothers me about this idea of like make America great again is the denial and like the fact that you don't even realize – let me say, just say this. Immigrants never take America for granted. Whenever, like, there's this rhetoric that it's like, we need to get the immigrants out. Nobody loves America more than immigrants. Fuck your Yankee hat. Fuck your Boston Red Sox hat. I'm talking about from an institutional <laughs> level. Every immigrant's like, I love the freeways. I love Starbucks. I love Wi-Fi. I love air conditioning. From literally infrastructure up, immigrants are like, thank you for letting yeah. me be here. Because uh-huh. you don't have that in other parts of the world. Now, there's this other denial. It's like, oh, they're taking, not adding. Then there's this third thing where it's like, wait. Make America great again. The dope thing about America, I think America is the greatest social experiment of modern civilization. Past 300 years, American democracy is one of the coolest, most effective, as fucked up as it is, it's the most effective system that we've seen. It's crazy. So to me, it's an experiment that's getting better with time. Mm -hmm. It has the malleability and potential for change. Uh That's what makes America great. Not this idea of like, Oh, it was great when women couldn't vote. It's great when we did this thing on The Daily Show where we all did the man on the street. Right. When was America great? And he's like, oh, the 80s. Roy was like, oh, you mean when crack was da-da-da? Oh, right. you, oh the 19 da-da-da. Oh, when women couldn't vote. AIDS. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, no. It had its problems. And because of its malleability and its ability to with, with, withstand change, it, 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 got, it can get better with time. Right. Like you and I having this conversation, make no mistake, I'm being critical of a lot of systems. Like I know people are like, shut the fuck Here's the cool thing. I'm so aware that you and I can have this conversation. We have safety. I can be critical of like the government or institutions. I'm not going to wake up tomorrow in my apartment and then hear a knock and be like, you're coming with us and you're not having a trial mm-hmm. because what you said was like disparaging towards the government. Mm-hmm. That's only possible here. So to me, I'm like, let's just let's like live up to the potential that this country has. Mm-hmm. That's all. I love it. And Sweden, right? I mean, Sweden, Denmark. Yeah. There are other places. Yeah. But then like Sweden and Denmark, some, some place that, that people didn't see this in the Michael Moore documentary, mm. Where to Invade Next. You're talking about Sweden and Denmark. Sure. In his documentary, he talked about like how great some of these other countries are, Italy and stuff like that. But also like Italy has like, you know, you see Italy, France, they have like crazy racism, crazy institutional xenophobia and racism, mm. burkini ban, et cetera, right? Mm. I still think America, with despite its problems, it's has America. The, 
Merca <laughs> has the most potential for change. Has the most potential. Yeah, I know what you mean though. Immigrants. My mother is first generation. She came here from Lithuania. Oh man. Yeah, she was like a. Yeah, they were refugees. Dude, they came, they came to your America. mom was a refugee. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah, as a baby, and they came here. And my mom Dude. loves her. She's totally into it. Yeah. And I remember reading a New Yorker short story. Uh, what you know? I've never considered that my mom was a refugee. She was. She came here, dude. Your mom fleeing World War II. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, my mother's a refugee. That's crazy. Wow. Yeah. Yikes. I've just never used that language. I always knew they were fleeing. Yeah. But, all right. So uh, now put that. Yeah. And then when people are like, we shouldn't accept Syrian refugees. I know. Now put that into context. And you're like, no, my mother's awesome. But isn't it just? It's interesting that I just realized that my, you know, to go back to what we were saying, my wife is black. You know what I mean? My mother is a refugee. Yeah. Now I have the platform yeah. in my own stupid mind. Now I can care more about refugees because my mother was a refugee. But really the truth was I should have cared about refugees before sure. and after. But you needed context. Yeah. But I, but I guess one of the things I'm learning from this is you don't. It's okay to share things that aren't directly your experience yes. with respect you know, it's it's like getting involved in in rape culture discussions, and you're not a woman. Or I remember people would get mad at Eddie Vedder because he was so like vocally pro-choice. Yeah, would be like, the fuck does he have to do with it? He's not a woman. But why can't we do this thing as an ally? So right, we're we're three men in here right now, right? You saw the the Facebook shenanigans that went down because of all this rape culture stuff, right? Yeah. In our own community, yeah. right? Why at no point have we just been like? Hey, I don't get this. Just have the humility to be like, I don't get this. I think what can I do for you as an post. ally? I think like, wh- those people don't post. Like, how can I clear the lane for you? The people like maybe so, like you and I who are are just quietly listening and reading. We don't post. Read this quietly. <laughs> post. <laughs> I have no opinion, but my heart is with you. Post. All right. I bookmarked this. Yeah. There's a lot of layers to it. I'll talk to a few. The algorithm has figured out that I am really tracking this story <laughs> and my heart breaks for it yeah you know but i yeah i i don't know i don't know i'm that's a head scratcher yeah I'm, right I'm and it's like, and and it's like let's just be real with ourselves it's like hey i'm just uncomfortable with it i don't know what to do about it it's like okay get past that yeah like let's just be practical with what should we do so but if we are all one what's happening to black people and what's happening to women or what's happening to whatever group that's being persecuted is happening to me correct people and all that sort of stuff correct that's Jesus saying what you do for the, the least of these, you do for me. Yeah. He's, he's saying it's all one thing. Yeah. It's hard to wrap your mind around. That's why we need to open our hearts. That's, this, is, this is the trick. Okay. Are you, a, are you a Muslim? I'm Muslim, man. Pray? I pray, baby. Prayer? No, I mean, I don't pray five times a day, but I, I pray as much as I can. Prayer? I try to pray as much as I can. Do you face east? I do face east. Rug? Uh, like a towel or whatever. Yeah, I'll throw it out. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. Where I, do you do it? Uh, I'll do it in like my hotel room. I'll do it wherever. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I won't, you know, I, look, I'm not, I'm not perfect, but yeah, I like the, I do like the ritual of it. I really do. Well, weren't we talking earlier about how we're starving for rituals? There, I, there's a mosque right by my house and I envy really? any spiritual man my father was not very spiritual, so I like men that are very spiritual, which Islam is, you know, a lot of strong yeah, Muslim yeah, men yeah. that are into it. And yeah. it's cool that they're into it. It's like <laughs> culturally cool that you <laughs> oh, know the Quran. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, sure. I grew up, I didn't really have those examples, so I see all the men yeah. gathered at the mosque. And I look at them and I'm like, respect. Oh, really? That's <laughs> hilarious. I, I, That's I so secretly funny. think there's a celebrity to the fact what? that they're all like into it. A celebrity or infamy? But 
Celebrity, I, I no, I literally mean it's like seeing Pauly Shore oh, really? and, and, and Robert De Niro. <laughs> That's so funny. Outside of a mosque. Yeah, but to me, man, it's just like like anything. Like where people are like, but what about this? Well, what about this? I was like, look, I open like you know, some people ask me like, what's your stance on you know the Abrahamic religion stance on homosexuality, right? Christianity, sure. Islam, whatever. I'm like, look, man, to me, to go back to the biryani analogy, to me, I that's an almond you're not eating. I'm not eating that. I'm just not buying that. You know, it's funny though, man. You come on, and I, I was researching you a little bit, and I didn't know you were a Muslim. Uh, I know that they said that on the Daily Show. Sure. And I immediately was like, "Oh no!" I was worried I was going to have a conversation with you, and I've had conversations with this with people on this podcast of many faiths that sure. do this. Yeah. That will close off the conversation because they don't want to say what you just said because it's a threat to how they're perceived as a member of their religion. I just, I just, I, I got to be me, man. And you know what, man? The what? Like I love it. You know, like I don't know. Sometimes you laugh because yeah. things are lovely. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, like, and I've gotten into debates with, like, with, 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 like, honestly, with my with friends that I grew up with, going to Sunday school with, and I'm like, come on, man, you gotta admit, fine, this worked during the seventh century, the sixth century, whatever. Fine. Yes, during times of war, you could. They, thousands of Muslim men were dying, so you needed to have multiple wives or whatever to protect women and. Uh, orphans. That's not the case anymore. So, no, I don't. Uh, I don't think polygamy is right for me. I didn't know uh, Islam had polygamy. Islam, some, yeah, some. It's, it's, it's allowed in whatever certain context. But to me, I'm like, no, I don't rock with that. I don't rock with. The, you don't have a beard. I mean, you kind of have a beard. I mean, I have a beard, but that's out of laziness. But also, also, but you're a Muslim man who's married and you don't have a beard. That's got to be weird. Uh, I mean, I, I sometimes have a beard, sometimes but nobody having, in your family is like, why don't you have a beard? No, but but the beard, the beard is, is it's it's called sunnah. It means like it's like it's good if you do like it's like it's, not it's honoring the prophet or it's not required. But like Sikhism, right? Sikh men are supposed yeah. to have the beard or whatever. and carry a knife. Uh, and carry a small knife. A small like knife. A car, a car, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ceremonial people, pe- knife. People get freaked out when you do that. That's why I wanted to correct it. Have a ceremonial. Pe- knife. No, but people get really freaked out when they're like, oh, do you, you carry a knife? That's fucking nuts. It's like no, like sometimes it'll be a necklace with like a little thing. Sure. To, Sikhs are dope. Sikhs are awesome. Yo, sure. Their story is so great. I don't know it. They're like superheroes. Really? They stood up. The reason why they wear the beards and the turbans and they carry the knife is uh, people were being persecuted, were being killed. And the Sikh, the warriors, they stood up. The men stood up and said, Do not, you have no right to kill women and children. If you're going to kill anybody, you look for a man with a, a beard and a turban. And you know, then come kill us. Shut up. Yeah. Uh, so they wear it as warriors of justice. They're Jedi. They're Indian Jedi. Oh, my God. So much respect. Now, here's where I got another layer of respect for Sikh people. Here's how dope Sikh people are. When 9-11 happened, so many Sikh Americans were targeted. People thought they were Arab. People thought they were Muslim. Yeah. And at no point in any of those like news packages did anyone from the Sikh community go, hey, we're not Muslim. They never said that. Yeah. And I did this field piece on them. I was like, yo, why didn't you just throw us under the bus? Like, I would have so thrown. Yeah. Are you kidding me? If someone was like, you're a blah, 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 blah. It, yeah. They were if also, they were saying you're a Sikh, you would have been like, no, but, I'm a Muslim. But like, no, I'm not Sikh. Yeah. <laughs> like, and they were like, they were like, that's against our code of values. When you see the beard and turban, that means you're supposed to come to us for help first. Mm. And if I, were, if I was a warrior of justice, then how, and I threw another person under the bus, what would that make completely me? Completely. I'm like, against their beliefs. I'm like, you're truly a superhero. Fucking A. Sikhs! They're awesome, man. They're so dope. I've only known one Sikh in my life. They're I, awesome, I had man. no idea he was so cool. Yeah. We Isn't have... that dope? Yeah. 
We should have written a bi- him a bigger part on this. And this this guy. That's w- true. It was on outsourced. <laughs> oh, was it? oh yeah. We did write him a story. Uh, it was. Uh, they said something. And they were like, "If you see a burning building, it's supposed to be like you should look for a man with the turban and beard to go run in and save those people." Wow, they're like the guys in the eighties and nineties on the New York subway with the red jackets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What were they called? Like Hell, Hell's Angels, not Hell's Angels, something like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, How's the show going? By the way, I know we it's going great. It's going great. I hear it's so. You know what I love? I've, all I know is this premise about it. I love that it explores. Correct me if I'm wrong. The whole area of what it's like when you haven't made it. Yeah, you know it's funny that you say that barking and all that That's stuff. That's it. We were we I were talking about movie. it, and I was like, there. There's been a lot of shows about comedians, and I was like, but there haven't been shows about a comedian who isn't even very funny yet, and like is struggling and is doing open mics and then barking and all that shit. Yeah, all the shit that we had to do, dude. Which is the most interesting part. Yeah, I remember. Who you- cares that I did a, a casino for fifty thousand dollars? I didn't, by the way. But uh, like, there's no story. Th- those are the stories we tend to. Don't see. you hate that? Also, I so agree when they do the interviews with celebrities and they're like, "What was it like doing Men in Black 2, Will Smith?" I'm like, "Fuck that!" Yeah, I always love the pre. Fresh yeah, Prince, yeah. Will, Will Smith story. So when did you first get the record deal? Yeah. What was that like? Yeah. Like, I want to know the first time you did Conan when you're wearing yeah. the shirt. Yeah, the smock. Yeah, the smock. When I'm 285. Yeah. That's my heaviest. Yeah. <laughs> Google. Yeah. Talk to me about Google, I'm man. Proud of that bet. Yeah, it's one of the – it's a Hall of Fame bit, man. Oh, I'm fucking proud it. about it. Um, <laughs> but I love that. I love that. And I was recently – because now I live in New York. I had to audition for – the Comedy Cellar, yeah. and I've thought about your podcast, how nervous you were. Doing, starting a podcast? Not, you've talked about walking past the Comedy Cellar and being like, Oh my God. Dude, and so when I did my audition, I got passed, so thank you, SD. But I was genuinely afraid, and people were like, Are you insane? You're on The Daily Show. You've won yeah. an Emmy. Yeah. What are you talking about? Yeah. And I was like, No, what if SD says no? Yeah. And it goes back to, Oh nine, me at that apartment complex yeah. with me, you, and Michelle. Yeah. Like, what if I'm just not funny? Yeah, I thought you were going to say it goes back to picking up the prom date. You think you're going to be rejected? Totally. Yeah. We can take it back even yeah, further. Yeah. Whatever hurt you have, it's there waiting for you, hot and fresh. Yeah. You know why I eventually Judd was always trying to get me to go to the cellar, and he had this beautiful fearlessness about it, and uh, and I didn't want to do it. I was scared to audition, even though. One time I was in the Olive Tree Cafe above the cellar, and they had Conan on. And I was like, that's funny. That means they keep TBS on, which means my show was on in the Olive Tree Cafe. Means like the comedians were sitting yeah. around, and I was on the TV, yeah. which is crazy. Yeah. Still was terrified to go there. Yeah, I watched the movie Man on Wire. I had already seen it. Movies can inspire you to do things in your real life in a practical, real-time way. Yeah. I watched that, and I was like, that guy walked on a tightrope. Between the tw- uh, the World yeah. Trade Center, not not the remake, the Man on Wire, the documentary. Yeah, and I was like, we have to do things that scare us. Next day, I went to the cellar. John Fish brought me up. One of the best nights of my life. Destroyed. It and was then, the best. And then SD gave you the thing. Did you even have to audition? No, it wasn't even an audition. It was just like it was even better than that. It was like you can just come now. So nobody really saw me. Amazing. Was, I think. See, that's kind of part of the lure is I have to assume the waitresses or somebody. Yeah. One of the people there saw and was like. He's good. And isn't that wild? You're Pete Holmes. You've done entire <laughs> monologues for your show where it's like, shouldn't you just love yourself? And you uh, do a hot uh, seven and a half on that. I know, but it's nice. I get it. I actually kind of. Pete, I'm on the same page with you, brother. You I'm running me, out man. of dark caves, though. Because when I did that, I got the feeling of slaying another dragon, a scary dragon. And I was like, what's the next cave? I kept the cellar for a very long time. Yeah. And I went in. 
And I emerged victorious. And now you're doing HBO specials. That's, that's like that's fucking next, A, man. Well, and then the next cave, I suppose, is the show. Is like really laying it all out there and being like, let's see how this goes. How does it feel knowing that you're at the, the Harvard of television networks? How does that feel? It feels amazing. But it's, it's, it's even better than that. It's at the Harvard with, with the Neil deGrasse Tyson. <laughs> it's, it's with yeah. Ted. So it's like this unbelievable thing. Yeah. You have to get outside of yourself to really appreciate it. I'm sure you can relate. When you yeah. get something truly great, you don't necessarily feel elated all the time. That wouldn't be very practical. Mm-hmm. And I don't think people that tend to get things like that are the types of people that can really wear their elation for seven straight days and just like go yeah. around high-fiving people. Yeah. But every once in a while, it sneaks in and it hits me just how amazing it is and, and you're just flooded with I'm so happy for you, man. Gratitude. And I love the Vulture article you did about when you were waiting on the news for Pete Holmes' show. Oh, thanks, I man. love that. And what's great is, was so awesome is when, you know, they didn't bring back the show. Yeah. And to, to still see you like move through yeah and power through and now you've turned this other corner it's great man yeah because it's so many times you get you hear the story i I genuinely have this fear all right he did his thing he had a shot i genuinely have like this nightmare i was talking to um, a buddy of mine who's on snl sashir and she was like yeah like i I was like do you ever get the nightmare that like you're not gonna like you're gonna get fired and it's all gonna be over she's like yeah and i was like i get that nightmare all the time yeah you know well, that's that's essential. It's it's what Seinfeld said to Gary Shandling: the moment you're comfortable at a party is the moment you're not funny anymore. And he, the moment you stop thinking you're a fraud secretly, yeah, is the moment you you'll stop working as hard and you'll and you won't be trying to prove it to this, you know, albeit stupid and not that enlightened part of yourself that mm-hmm. is afraid. Yeah. But as long as you kind of can enable your, your dysfunctions to your benefit, that's yeah. good. So when I feel like a fraud or when I feel like, oh, God, don't blow this, good. It, it, it makes me a little anxious. It gets me out of bed, and I, and I write. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's great, man. If I really just love myself all the time, yeah, yeah. I go in good bursts. I, I, I'm, I'm at sure. a very good clip. I'm wor- and I work on it, but there's sure. a lot of time when I'm doubtful and think that I'm a fraud and think that people are on to me and they're going to figure it out. And really? We all have that. But I, I, don't, I don't think people know that. But the seller is a great – you're Pete Holmes. You're Hassan Minaj. You're on The Fucking Daily Show, but you're still scared to go in the cellar. That's a nice little materialization of the inner fear yeah. that we feel no matter where you're at. Yeah. Bobby Moynihan, who's, who's, a, who's a friend of mine, you know, we're not super close, but I know him and I love him. Has to at some point be like, even though he's been on SNL for all these years, go like, oh, I can't be the real thing. I just picked him as an arbitrary sure, sure, example. Sure. I don't think people realize that. How beautiful is that imagery? As you walked up to the cellar to do your thing, you, that wasn't bothering you, you me walked anymore. past a barker. I just like touching. I know. Isn't that crazy? Well, now I walk past you the barkers the in the West Village. I can't wait. It's episode four for the barking episode to drop to give a voice barking is handing out flyers for stage yeah to give a voice and i think we did a really good job to those guys and before the show was out there we closed off the village like the intersection where i used to bark that's where we filmed the barking episode yeah was on my real corner yeah and then in between takes and stuff would walk to get a falafel or something Uh and would pass barkers and i did this before the show Always say hey to the Barkers. Always, you know, like be cool with the Barkers. Yeah. But to like stop now and take a picture with a Barker, they probably think that's cool to see me. I think it's cool that I'm getting like a photo with them. I'm not just saying that. Yeah. Aren't I a Boy Scout? I was like, this is cool, man. This is this is a guy circle of following life, his dreams. 
and it is the circle of life. It's it's a crazy feeling. I highly recommend it. <laughs> as much as I'd like to say that like nothing really matters and we're all already in the presence of God and we just need to relax and realize that you are love or whatever you want to say. Yeah. It does feel good to go into caves and kill dragons. If you, and it feels good to get killed too. Both are good. Sure. Failure can be interesting. Yeah. And enriching, and like I said, it's the holes in your soul that God. Were enters. you really depressed after the TBS thing? No, really? No, because no. you really put it all out there, huh? We did. I guess you know. I was shocked. That's a very generous question. I was shocked for sure. But then you know, I, I had a good system of friends. Oren, my producer friend, yeah. who's done everything with me, he came over, and we just kind of. I remember saying, "I was like, should are we supposed to drink? Like, what do men do? Are we supposed to be?" Sad? What do we do? Yeah. And uh, we just kind of started talking about what we wanted to do next. And uh, I think that – talk about many paths up the mountain. Yeah. We've all had the privilege of seeing other careers. The Jon Stewart show. Yeah. Canceled. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. Johnny Carson's first show. Canceled. Right. I used to have a list as long as your nightshirt. Uh, (laughs) That's a line from Jesse James. But I used to have a really long list Mm -hmm. of all the great people who had canceled shows. And I just – kind of wrote that on my heart i was just like this is it man if you're getting kicked in the balls that's how you know you're doing it right 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 what a privilege i'm joining great company yeah what a privilege yeah to fail and then and then to try and not you know wallow it's okay to mourn and i did mourn it was sad uh-huh. but uh i hope i'm not smoothing out the details of this too much to make it into some sort of myth but i don't remember really being super sad you didn't feel like when everybody was looking at you at the office and you guys were like leaving they were like, yeah, he he really wasn't the guy. <laughs> I'm being, I'm talking about the ugly truths. That, 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 you know, you know what I mean. The, you, you, you got 120 people working for you. Yeah. PAs, coffee, this, writers that want to get. But if you never bought into that, when they take it away, it, yeah. it doesn't hurt as much. If you don't sew your body oh, to that hype, got it, doesn't, it. it doesn't hurt as so much. Even though your name was written on the freaking thing in my handwriting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. in your handwriting. But if you're just hugging it and appreciating it, gotcha. when it, when it lets go, of gotcha. you, there's gotcha. not a tear. But if I bought into it and was like, "That's goddamn right, you bring me a coffee," right. you just kind of have to let everything flow, right, and, right, right, and, right, and relax a little bit, right. But I, you know, I also have that healthy dysfunction where I was like, I am a guy who will blame the audience. I still am. If I bomb, I go. I showed up. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's some nights where I'll admit I yeah. didn't do well. Yeah. I didn't feel well, didn't feel funny, whatever it was. But there's a lot of nights where I go out and I was like, I did my part. And some people are like, don't blame the audience. I'm like, I fucking A will blame the audience. Because <laughs> sometimes it's their fucking fault. Yeah. Because it's not me versus them. It's me with them trying to make a show. And sometimes they don't do it. They had a bad night. You know what I'm saying? Ah, so when my very show, interesting. When my show gets canceled, I have enough of that. My father has it. I think even my, my brother has it. I don't know if my mom has it. But we have that, that Steve Jobsy thing where you can find a way and be like, you know, in a healthy way. Be like, oh, I don't know. It wasn't this, but this could be. Oh, they didn't promote us enough or whatever. Or like we were ahead of its time. I'm the guy that will go like, oh, we were ahead of its time. We'll be a cult classic later. Ah, interesting. People, people will love it on Netflix in, in five years. Gotcha. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just enough. It's, talk about that in Sleepwalk With Me. Enough ability to lie to yourself. Right. So you don't take it personally. Right. But you also can't take the success too personally either. You just yeah. have to be like, don't push the river, man. Just flow. I agree. Right? Uh, 
what's the hardest time you've laughed? That that I do have to. Is that how we we, we, that's we the, end up there? Yeah. Thank you, by the way. You're very generous to interview me, and I haven't done a podcast in a while, so I, I wanted to. Oh, really? I oh, okay. To, I wanted to chat. So uh, thank no, you. I genuinely, I ha- genuinely had a lot of questions. I'm surprised nobody really. I know people asked you about the whole cancellation thing, but no, I wanted to know the real. Like, you know what I mean? Come like, up. I was no, on the but, toilet when they told me. That's how confident I was taking the phone call from my managers. I just assumed they were going to tell me that we were coming back. Wow. So I, I was sitting on the toilet so they wouldn't hear me peeing. Uh-huh. And uh, and they were like, my manager's like, oh, they've decided to not come back. And I was just like, this would be a great time to shit myself because yeah. I'm ready to go. You're ready to go. It's right here. It, it wouldn't have been embarrassing at all. <laughs> right, right, right. Just ready to go. But, you know, I mean, what did you lose? You, you got to do it. You got yeah. To do it. Yeah. Everything's canceled eventually. Very true. <laughs> John had something so great when he was like, when we did the last episode, he's like, everybody says they're going to miss me. He's like, remember when Oprah said she was leaving? And everyone's like, oh my God, Oprah's leaving. And then a week later, everyone's like, I really like that Ellen girl. Yeah, that's right. It's so crazy. But that sounds like a guy who is hugging it, not sewing himself. Yeah, he's the best. It's what Maya Angelou says, don't pick it up, don't lay it down. You can't believe either side of it. You have to laugh at it, play with it, bring it. Fully participate, yeah. But at the same time, giggling that any of it's happening, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I hope that's how you not become an asshole. <laughs> right, 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 really, right. I don't want to be an asshole. Do you? Uh, do you want to come back to New York? I, well, we get to do the show in New York, right? For like three months at a stint. But now, haven't you? Like at the time, you know, when you guys were filming out there, weren't you like, like now that I, I live in New York, I'm like. I don't want to live in L.A. Oh, that's funny. I, I'm an L.A. person. Come on, I really? Am, yeah, no, I love it. No, but you became the, the Rocky 1 and 2 happened in Chicago and New York, Petey. <laughs> I know, and now You're it's, in Rocky 3 now. That, though, that's the casino, and then you take your chips to L.A. and you cash them in. It's okay. great. It's really? So you plant in New York and you harvest in L.A. Harvest is great. <laughs> you get a yard with a dog. You really? A do- you get a dog. You get sunshine. You get vegan food everywhere? No. You go to the beach? This is where it happened. This was the definitive moment. This was the Malcolm Gladwell tipping point moment where I'm like, fuck this noise. And uh, I grew up in California. I'm like Cali boy my whole life. Well, that's your problem. Okay. Here's when it happened. I'm an East Coast guy. That feels like really? backwards to me. That feels oh. like progress to you. If I go back, if I see like dirty pavement and the type of – the ways that uh, streets crack only in Boston and New York, I feel like I'm a child again. I like being really? out, out here. The more kale I see, the more I know I'm nowhere near my parents. <laughs> oh, that's what it has to be. Like, it has to come down to like, be like, oh, man, I'm at Veggie Grill. There's that's no right. way mom and dad are here. They don't know how to pronounce oh, most of what I eat, and I'm glad. That's how I know. That's what I mean, dying. I love dying to my old self and coming to a new place. And that's it. For me, it's the opposite. I know. When I course. went to go see When I go see Broadway, when I went to go see whatever, Lion King or Hamilton or whatever it was, I go, these guys do fucking 10 shows a week, 12 shows a week, and they don't live and die by a deadline article. Yeah. God bless these guys. They're doing the real. They're so much bigger than variety. Yeah. There's so much more than what Nikki Fink wrote about you. This is amazing. I get it. New York's great. Right. But I get. I get it. I'm also 37. Talk to me in seven years. Let's see if you like being bumped into while you're cutting. Right. uh, I might hit that. Fuck. You're just kind of like, it's I love it. But here's why I have a billion reasons why I want the show to go. One of them is three months a year in New York. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Yeah, and that'll make me a better comic, and it'll make me a better everything. Yeah, it's a it's a great place to be. Yeah, for three months. That's a, yeah. that's about right. Yeah. So hopefully I'll see you there for three months a year. Yeah, for six seasons. 
Yeah. <laughs> I love that, man. Hardest I've ever laughed? Yeah. So this was the hardest time I ever laughed in my life, and it was, oh, my God. Uh, so <laughs> we all got together as a family. Uh, me, I, me, my younger sister, my mom, my dad, was four of us. And um, my sister, she's the golden child of the family. She is uh, – she's the one that um, – she went to an Ivy League law school. She's like a phenomenal writer. She's just really, really bright. We all go to Monterey. This is like a little like family vacation. We go to this place called Worldmark Resort and whatever. It's like the timeshare place. Mm-hmm. So it's like – it's just all families and you get like an apartment with like a stove or whatever. So they have board games there. And so we start playing Scrabble. And my sister, she's like, I'm, I'm going to wipe the floor with you guys. And she is wiping the floor. She eliminates my mom quickly. And I'm like, great. Yeah, like you eliminated the immigrants. Got it. Oh, good, good, good for you. Like English was their second language. Be, you should be really proud, Aisha. She's like, okay, keep talking. She gets rid of me before my dad. Now it's down to Aisha and my dad. And they're going back and forth. And I'm like, okay. My dad doesn't know how to play Scrabble. He, he doesn't know, triple – he's like, what's going on? Oh, just put words together, okay? So it gets down to the two of them, and they're like really deliberating. Aisha's made her move. Dad's made her move. Aisha's made her move. Now it's the, the ball's in my dad's court. And he only has like two letters. So Aisha's like giggling because she's like, what are you going to make? You have – there's nothing. So my dad's like, uh. And then he just lays down C-A-T. And the way it all lined up was like quadruple, quintuple point score. Yes. <laughs> so he was adding to like. Yeah. To this long, whatever, xylophone. And yeah, then he you was know, yeah, like yeah. C-A-T. And yeah. then it was. And then uh, he was like, so what does that mean? And Aisha's face <laughs> of just sheer horror. Oh my God. And we all started laughing so If you can hard. defeat someone who's good at Scrabble at oh, Scrabble. And just wipe the floor. There should be a word for it. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a specific yeah, type of yeah. joy. The people that know that XI is a word yeah. and you beat them. Yeah. It's- and then it's, I, was la- I was howling. And then my dad's like, what happened? I was like, you won. And then my dad's, we're all laughing. We're just crying because Aisha is just bewildered. Like, yeah, yeah, you went to Penn. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Like you've you've been reading books since you were like three. It doesn't matter, Dad. Who bear like yes, yeah. Yes. It's incredible with cat. Yeah, he won it with like cat. C A T. What is that? And I'm just dying. Oh my god! It's the hardest I've ever laughed. In my he life. won. That was pure joy. He, he won. won. He, he won. won, and he won by a lot. <laughs> <laughs> like because of the cat, it was like two twenty to eighty seven. Like it was. Uh, amazing makes me happy it, and like yeah i remember like i was like that's what heaven is yes like that feeling yeah that night for like that little 180 seconds where we were lap that was heaven i was like that's what heaven on earth is. that's great it was the happiest i've ever felt in my life that makes me so happy yeah cat i wish we could live that live in that moment forever the four <laughs> of us my parents are healthy me and my sister are healthy we're all alive and my dad who is an immigrant to this country wipes the fucking floor with my little sister in scrabble with a cat with cat it's <laughs> <laughs> great man <laughs> Well, thank you so much. This Dude, awesome. this is the you, best, Do you man. feel satisfied? Yeah, this was an excuse. I, I just wanted to spend time with you, man. I'm glad to see you, This too. is really great, man. I'm glad great, we man. could do it on yeah. a Sunday afternoon, no less. Yeah. Well, would you say uh, keep it crispy and we'll get out of here? Uh, let's keep it crispy. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. You made it a command. Thanks so much, Azan. Dude, thank you, man. Awesome, Jeff. Now leaving Nerdist.com. What? <laughs>